Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. I'm Zachary Bader-Shamai. And I'm Eddie Meredith. And ever since these games ended last Saturday, I have been so stoked to get in here and talk about them because this was a great weekend, highlighted, of course, by the Battle of Waterloo, but so many other great stories as well. A ton of other great games, and we're going to recap all of them in this order. First, we're going to start off with Western York. Then we're going to get to Mac U of T. Then Guelph-Windsor then Carlton Queens, and then we're going to finish off with the Battle of Waterloo with our special guest, Russell Kofshaw, former MTW player. Shout out, MT Dubs. And then we're going to get, you know, we're going to go into memory lane. We're going to take a stroll down. Yeah, Russell played for Waterloo, and so just to get a bit of his experience there. and uh, Correct. Yeah, and just see how he feels having been there during the very dark times with the uh, steroid scandal yeah. and just seeing how the team is uh, do and seeing what the direction the team's moving now, uh, how it feels as an alumnus uh, being there to support them. I mean, I'd be, I'd be pretty bitter, but that's just because I'm a bitter person <laughs> with uh, the team having been shut down for a year by the university. But we'll get his take on that and much more. Uh, and, uh, and then we're going to have, obviously, the, the, the previews of the games to come, as we always do. And yeah, so, it, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, we got a lot on our plate, so let's start off, as, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Western and York. This game sucked. It sucked real bad. It sucked as bad as I thought it would and more, and for more reasons than um, I'd anticipated, chiefly uh, Brett Hunchak leaving the game, uh, I want to say in the mid-second quarter, maybe earlier than that. I'm watching the film, I can't really tell when I'm watching just on film on Huddle. It, not that it was looking great before that. Western outclassed York in sort of the most profound way you could. Mm. I mean, I want to be conciliatory. I, I don't want to, you know, kick York while they're down. But there there aren't a ton of bright spots from this game, obviously. No. 76-3. to three. I mean, there's just there's not much to be positive about there. And it hurts so much seeing Hunchak go down because much in the same way that we've, you know, talked about U of T and and Windsor and York throughout the season isn't necessarily about you know what they're doing in the win column because well aside from York there have been no wins in the win column for those teams but the, sorry the, for for uh, Windsor for, for oh for Windsor Toronto oh, okay, York yeah, yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. you know that they, they haven't been having success but you know there's excitement to be talked about because there are nice pieces in place and for mm -hmm. this York Lions team. It is Hunchak. Uh, well, both Hunchaks, but it starts with Brett. And, it's and just, Colton uh, wasn't playing, so that does that does immediately do some damage because Colton is a weapon. He can be put at any place on the field and be productive. Against Western, you would think they'd want to put him inside, have him run a lot of slants and quick routes to get open to sort of relieve some of the pressure because the pressure built up very quickly on York with – well, when I say pressure building up, I mean the pressure that Western applied – yeah. with their linebackers, with their defensive line, was was severe. You know, I'm just I'm just hoping that for the Lions' sake and for Hunchak's health that it wasn't he didn't actually get concussed or hurt, but he just pulled a Vontae Davis and said, you know what, just get me out of this one before it's too late. <laughs> I retired at halftime. Like <laughs> Vontae Davis of the Buffalo Bills, yeah. if you're not aware, retired at halftime last week. But yeah, th that um, sadly that that's that's not what he did, or maybe it's good that that's not what he did because that's an outrageous move to pull. This looked to me like either a concussion, hopefully mild, or a neck injury, 
Westerns filled the on, pursued him as he escaped the pocket, uh, dealing with pressure. And, uh, you know, Hunchak was going to slide, but Dion was already committed to the play before sort of Hunchak did that, and it was very bang-bang. And uh, I think just he got kind of hit with an arm. So kind of thing that happens, obviously, you know, we're, we're hoping for a speedy recovery for Brett and the return of Colton because that's a team that needs those two players, obviously, to have any success. And from a Western Western standpoint, when you do have these types of games, you will sometimes get to see players that you don't normally see in games. So was there anyone in particular that we don't see uh, on a weekly basis yeah. or the big names that got to have some playing time that look good to you? A ton, a ton. Uh, That's so, not a good thing. Well, sure, <laughs> sure. So so Western, Western played, I think, everyone they dressed. And there should almost be a special protocol for games like this where the opposing team can allow the home team to dress even more than the 55 allotted because and I and I say this with sincerity because this this game was a waste of time for both teams and that's not, that's not to be you know unduly harsh but it was a waste of time 76 to 3 is a waste of time especially when you have backups in by half so there were a lot of guys we saw this week from western who haven't had a lot of time yet this season and they looked good I'll I'll comment on them I want to comment on some of the starters for Western who looked good. One guy who caught my eye, didn't figure much on the stat sheet, but looks like he's now very comfortable within the scheme, is Michael Moore. The fifth-year transfer from Queens, transferred to Western to pursue a master's in economics at Western. He looked great. And, and so, again, he didn't figure on the stat sheet, but a very smart backer who moves well. This guy is a very key piece. Obviously, Phil Dion and Fraser Sobic are two elite backers in this league also. But having Michael Moore there and, and him doing sort of all the things that you need a Will linebacker to be able to do, which, have, you know, have quite a few responsibilities, that's a big one for the team. Deontay Knight for Western had another good game, even though he didn't figure much on the stat sheet. A whole bunch of Western defensive linemen did. Uh, the, stat, the, the stat sheet looks uh, pretty nice for Western. Nick Terrio had two sacks. Mitchell Stadnick had one. It doesn't show up quite the way that I, I thought it would, actually, funnily enough. Uh, Austin Miller, third defensive tackle at Western, sort of behind Stadnick and Jimmy Hawley. They're, they're two sort of veteran incumbent starters, you know, very good players. Austin Miller, or Austin Fordham Miller. His name's hyphenated. <laughs> Austin Miller's what I know to call him. If he wants me to change that, you should let me know. This is the D tackle we're going to be talking about in a couple of years, I think as a first second round pick prospect okay he's incredibly fast his get off is nasty and he had at least a couple pressures a really great tackle for a loss where he just again he just has a first step like very few d tackles in this league have he might have the best of any d tackle in this conference i'm not going to say that definitively but it'd be up there it'd be top three so he had a very nice game deontay knight again as i said the whole defensive line for Western, the whole, I mean, everybody did. Everybody on Western looked great. The backups for Western who, you know, haven't had much time yet this season, who I thought looked really good. Spencer uh, Smith or Smythe. I don't know Is it with was, a Y? It's with a Y. Mm, that's always a wild card. That's a wild card. Yeah. There's just no knowing. No. Unless you ask him. So other than that. <laughs> uh, so Spencer Smith or Smythe had a very nice game. He, he was a big recruit linebacker. I think he played at uh, – you know, football north, so he was expected to be a, a good player, and I think he was, you know, a high school, second-team All-Canadian per CFC. 
That's Canada Football Chat, if you are unaware. He looked really good. He was playing uh, middle linebacker in relief. And uh, Tommy Ngongo. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, it's spelled N-G-O-N-G-O. Well, you get points for trying. I do. And so I'm, I'm making those participation points. He looked really nice. He was playing some salmon relief. He looked extremely fast, instinctive. Uh, those are just a couple of guys who stood mm-hmm. out. I mean, obviously, Western's DBs had a, had a very productive day. Yeah. Mackenzie Ferguson, field corner, had, had two picks. Uh, it's funny. They, they gave Austin Miller, and it is on the, on the roster. It's, it's, uh, it's listed as Fordham Miller. They gave him credit for an interception for 27 yards. I guess that is what it is because the quarterback, it was, it was a fumble, I thought, when I saw it. It was a sack sort of fumble, but the ball sort of popped up, and mm. Austin, Austin scooped it. So I guess that's a, an INT. Yeah, because they didn't touch. a fumble and a pick, I don't know. Yeah, either way, the, the, the net effect was 27 yards of return. He got, unfortunately, tackled before the yeah. end zone. So there was that. And then Bleska, outstanding uh, fourth-year I guess he's playing boundary corner right now. He only played half last year. He had uh, he had a 52-yard interception return. So, uh, Western eight. What you're gonna do? Which which I, they're gonna do? Yeah, they feasted. Yeah, on the Lions. Normally it goes the other way when you have a horse versus a lion, but in this case, uh, well, the score speaks for itself. And oh, quickly, yes. quickly, quickly, because I can't forget this, or he'll kill me. My my boy Dave Brown made his return. First game action since uh, last year in the Vanier Cup when he tore his ACL, mm. like, first series of the game. Ugh. He made his return. And I, I was impressed with the way the Western offensive line has improved because, that to me, that's vital for their success. When he's back in there, it looks like last year's offensive line. He, he just, I mean, first play of the game, he had a pancake. Second play of the game, he had a pancake. Third play of the game, I don't think he had a pancake, but he looked great the whole time. So that was huge, and that, that transferred to Cedric Joseph, to Alex Taylor early on. Humes looks like he got – I don't think Humes was in the game when Dave was because I think Dave played about a quarter, a quarter and a half, and then Humes was in for most of the second half. But, yeah, no, the offensive line looked good, and Dave being back is enormous. Well, you know, they'll, they'll definitely need to be at full strength. Next week they're going on the road to take on Waterloo, and for York, hopefully Hunchak, he's not too badly hurt. We don't know about Colton, but hopefully – the, the brothers, Hunchak, are back in action. They're taking on Ottawa in Ottawa next week. Hopefully they can have somewhat of a bounce-back game. Maybe not a win, but at least some kind of salvaging of their pride. Um, so now moving on to our next game. So let's go Mac UFT. Uh, final score, if you didn't catch this one, Mac 37, Toronto 3. But realistically... This that that score is not indicative of what happened in this game, at least for the first half. Because through the first two quarters, it was an eight nothing Mac game going into the half, and if not for a couple missed opportunities, a couple bad breaks, one really bad missed call or poorly you know handled situation by the refs, and U of T might have gone the board earlier, um, or might have got yeah might have been able to make this a closer game. Um, so on the Mac side of things, there's been this controversy at the quarterback position for a couple weeks going now, and it seems like they've finally settled on Andreas Duick. Well, controversy or just uncertainty. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if there's any controversy yet. 
We'll see how Duick plays moving forward. But absolutely, I mean, they they were unsettled at quarterback, the most important position on the yeah. field. And it looks it looks like going for, and we talked about this last week that this was going to be a huge game for them because whether it would be Duick or White, most likely, given where U of T is as a team right now, whomever they started, if they gave them the full sixty minutes, would be able to put up some numbers. And Duick did just that, going twenty two for thirty three on the day. 372 yards and uh, three touchdowns, uh, leading them to the win. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and assume that this is probably his uh, his job now to lose. Absolutely, I think it is. Uh, he he didn't play a perfect game, but no. I think what was promising about his performance is that it picked up a lot in the second half. Yeah, and what I think what really happened in the second half, and 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 to be honest, I. I'm not completely sold that Max offense is is fully is fully uh you know where it's 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 got to be a, no no for sure but and and my main reason for saying it is cuz they were really hitting on a couple big plays in the second half that was kind of the story of of the second half as they were doing a couple deep deep bombs to uh, Tommy Neald who missed the uh the last week's game against Western something that you were uh, had noted whether or not that would have made a difference who knows but obviously a huge impact guy um going for 233 yards um two touchdowns and a couple circus catches i noticed he made in the game one was a just in double coverage going up for the ball uh another just beauty he did a, a stutter and go on i think his second touchdown so whether he would have made the difference in the Western game or not, clearly this offense runs better when Neal's on the field for them. Oh. Yeah, oh. yeah, I was going to say. Oh, my God. He's a really good player. I don't know if he is a, you know, 40-point difference maker kind of player. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, obviously it helps to have him on the field. He is a part of that young receiving group that is, has been and, and still is banged up. I mean, still missing some guys who... I think they're counting on to be great players for them. Matt Hurley, Justice Allen, still a couple of those guys out. Both of those, of course, were also out for the Western game, as was Neald. But getting back Tommy Neald is its a big step for them. So they also got back Levi Paul, another receiver who uh, I can't remember if he was in the Western game or not. It doesn't really matter. He's still getting acclimated to the offense. Uh, and, and you know, they, you know, they're still playing with Xander Tachinsky. Only one catch on the day. So... You know, he was very, very productive earlier in the season without some of these other guys. But very good to see Tommy Neal back. What a day he had. Mm. Um, and this, Duick, Duick's the guy for them, it's, it would seem. There was one drive to start the second half that uh, I found very odd where they actually started with Liam Putt, uh, a guy that was not on my radar at all at the quarterback position. He, I think, had one or two plays. Then they went back to Duick. Then they ended up getting it down to the one-yard line where they put in White because I guess he's the big-body guy trying to plunge it in. Goal line kind of quarterback stuff. Exactly. But then he ended up fumbling it. And I just – I remember seeing that drive and just being like, oh, Knox, just you, you, like just just take – just stick with one and go. I mean, it just, it just looked like it was – I just felt so bad in that moment because that kind of encompassed this whole struggle to find a quarterback that they've been dealing with. But obviously, after that, Duick uh, settled in. Um, on the UFT side of things, a guy that we had talked about a few times already, um, defensively at least, 
Uh, Malcolm Campbell at defensive end had himself a good day. Um, only credited with one sack, but I think I saw him uh, get in at least a couple more QB pressures. There, at least two and a half. I think on the stats, uh, other tackles for loss. And yeah, and they have him for those extra two and a half tackles for loss. And, and a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, presumably on the same play. Yeah, and so um, once again, he, you know, he's, he's really shining on, on this UFT defense. Um, offensively, Clay Sakira, you know, this UFT offense is 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 not very good. And it realistically, it starts up front for them because max defensive line was getting through there all day long um you know not to call people out or anything like that call them out who cares well i i I just i one drive in particular seeing a bad snap by the center for u of t that secure had to just jump on and he took a hit on the next play it looked like the center got beat pretty quick secure had to uh had to scramble out of the pocket he ended up getting stripped and just you know he's got wheels he's he's got the arm talent too um, but you know, when he's constantly under pressure like that, it's just a bad situation to be in. It's exhausting having to do it all for yeah. a team. And that's what they've asked him to do. They have some decent receivers, but with, and it's no shot of these kids. A lot of them are young kids on this offensive line for U of T, but with this offensive line, they're, they're not be they're not able to provide the kind of protection that's needed to run an offense the way you know, that an offense is traditionally run, which isn't scramble drill every play. Exactly. And they can't, not only in the protection, but, you know, they just, we still have not seen them get the run game going. And and you mentioned the receivers and and one guy who um, is at least known because of his his older brother, Will Corby. um, And and this actually references the one missed play or whatever you want to call it by the refs where on a, a, a deep dig, I think, over the middle, Secure hits him, and he's in the air, and as he's coming down, takes a big hit, um, which was and, and the ball popped out, ruled a fumble, which Mac recovered. But, you know, credit to the Mac announcers who were calling this game, as soon as they showed the replay, they were quick to be like, yeah, that just wasn't a fumble. I mean, you, you know, we talk about making football moves. He hadn't even landed on the ground and the unfortunate, the worst thing of all of it was that it didn't seem like Corby returned. He was down for quite a while. Um, I didn't see him come back in the game. I mean, on the stat sheet, he's only credited with uh, one catch, 21 yards, obviously being that one um, play. And I guess to go with it, one fumble on his part, even though should have just been an incomplete pass. And um, it's an unfortunate play. And that's a very tough loss for U of T if he's out for any extended time. Uh, because obviously, I mean, him and Diodati are where their receiving production comes from. These are two guys who can get open and obviously have some chemistry with Clay Zakira. So, I mean, outside of them, uh, it's uh, it's a little little tough in yeah. that receiving core. Yeah, Diodati had a couple nice plays in the game. Uh, I did my best to uh, make the hashtag who's your Diodati a thing. Oh. Um, but it didn't wow. seem to – I know, right? It didn't seem to gain any traction. I wonder why. I wonder why indeed. Yeah. Um, but, you know um, – for Mac, uh, a nice recovery after that shellacking they took in London. Their homecoming, and I forget what the number was. They said on the broadcast some you know massive streak they are on, winning their homecoming games. Uh, Ron Joyce always a tough place to play at. Um, it and, helps if you schedule U of T for your homecoming game. You know that also does help. Um, and we'll see if the magic of Ron Joyce will continue because next week they have Laurier entering their barn, which. We'll we'll get into that during the previews a bit, but that'll be obviously a tough game for them. Uh, for Carlton, for pardon me, U of T, they're returning home to take on the Ravens um, at Varsity Stadium.
So, Zach, your Guelph Griffins were taking on the Windsor Lancers. Yes, they did. They did, indeed. Yeah. Um, so, this was actually a game that, uh, if you heard on the last uh, episode, I called could be a, an upset or, at the very least, could be a close game. And and it ended up being so. 26-20 victory for Guelph. Game was in Windsor. But the reasons that I thought it were going to be close weren't really the reasons it ended up being close. You know, it just seemed like one of those trap games for Guelph. The long trip, uh, Sam Girard for Windsor had been having a really good season for himself so far. And Guelph's offense uh, just really has not uh, shown up to where a team that at least Guelph and Guelph fans believe it, it should be. Um, you know, the offense just hasn't been there. It just seemed like it had the workings and, and the Matt Nesbitt um, connection and, and Windsor all adding up to a possible upset. And... That is an interesting story going into the game, but then Sam Girard didn't even play. No, uh, the word I got uh, from Matt Nesbitt was that he had broken a bone, I believe. Or That's not good. No, in his non-throwing hand. That's um, better. Still, yeah, still not good. But so missing Girard, but then also your boy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Double D, do, uh, Drew Desjardins, um, out, I think... This isn't his first game that he's missed. I, no, no, no. He hasn't played yet this he hasn't year, always, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, a young offensive line. And it really showed um, because Guelph really got after um, the backup who, who came in. Um, Colby Hankel. Colby Hankel, That's yes. That's the one. Um, rocking the number 12 that Mr. Austin Kennedy used to wear something at I, I don't I don't care for this move on their part. Are uh, we sure? Because last year was my guy Ben Bergaman. Who's wearing number twelve? But it is—it's Kobe Hankel is the name on the stat sheet. Oh, it's Hankel, and he's wearing twelve. It's Hankel. It's Hankel. We know. Oh yeah, that's for, yeah. Um, yeah. What a guy! But what a guy! Um, but as we mentioned with that young offensive line, uh, definitely an issue because Guelph was getting sacks left, right, and center. Elaine Simonkinda on I think either the first or second play for them got right through the line in, in a matter of you know. Less than a second, it seemed. And when I first saw the play, I'm like, okay, maybe it was a blown assignment by the offensive line. They slid where they shouldn't have gone, and he just went right through. They showed the, I saw the replay. No, no, they, they tried blocking him, but he just kind of said, excuse me, I have a conversation to make with uh, Mr. Hankel. Will you let me through? And the uh, guard or center, I forget who it was, kindly you know, let him through. Well, how very kind of him. Yeah. Um, but apparently that's not what you're supposed to do when you play offensive line. I think I have a bit of experience doing that, but, um, well, letting people through and not letting people through, but no, that's, you're not a, you're not a bouncer. You're not supposed to selectively let some people through. It's nobody through that knowledge could have helped me out a lot in my career. (laughs) Um, but a really ugly start to this game. Uh, I think Guelph opened up the scoring with a safety, uh, I think that was the scoring through the first quarter. Windsor got a field goal in the second. There was, and, and then I think Guelph responded with a field goal. So there was like a there was a part in this game where it was halfway through the second, and it was five three Guelph. And you know I'm trying to do my best as a, as a as a reporter of this league to stay impartial and just you know report the facts. But on the inside, I'm just dying uh, watching what was transpiring. Uh, it, yeah, that's a very Canadian football score. Yeah, very Canadian football score. Um, you know, but, but Guelph Guelph took it away in the second quarter. I mean, it's almost incredible that this became a game. No, it, well, yeah. I mean, we'll get into that. I mean, Hankel had a Hankel had a good game for himself. I mean, this Windsor passing attack, um, you know, it, it's it's not on the level of you know the Laurier's Westerns, uh, Waterloo's 
um, of the league. But it seems like, you know, Sam Girard's a talent, but it, it's kind of almost separate of the player itself. It's a very uh, good system in place right there. Um, not to shine, uh, give too much shine to my boy Matt Nesbitt, but I, I'm, I, I'm, I love what he's doing there. He's doing an amazing job. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, though, for Guelph, um, you know, Theo Landers, um, still not an amazing game passing the ball, 9 for 13, 145, uh, and one touchdown on a nice screen pass to uh, Cade Bellick, not, not Wade Bellick, not, not Wade, Wade Belak, Belak yeah. not, not, not Cade, not Cade Belak, Cade Bellick, nice 55-yarder on the, play, the screen. Play guys aren't getting that one, eh? Um, you know, I think they got it better on this one. I'm still just harping from a couple games back. Um, but yes, yeah, nice screen pass to him, uh, which I think uh, Zeph Frazier did a great job blocking downfield for him. But, yeah, so, you know, Theo, once again, not blowing you away with the passing stats, but definitely showing off the speed, um, you know, using his feet. He had the one big run for 91 yards, which set up the touchdown for uh, J.P. Simonkinda. Um, and it was just really those two plays which really separated them in the second quarter, uh, which had Guelph going into the half, uh, leading 20-3. to three. And then just in the second half, the offense just pretty much stalled, and slowly but surely, Windsor uh, you know, started picking away at the lead. Um, and it came down to a – there was a part um, – when was this? There was uh, late in the fourth, Guelph – fumbled this was yes yeah, so this was leading to windsor's the last touchdown that windsor scored well i forget who, the score to 26 20 yeah exactly yeah um where it would end yeah where it would end I, i'm forgetting who was carrying the ball for guelph um but there was a fumble leading to the windsor score um then guelph gets the ball back goes to and out windsor gets the ball back there's uh, maybe less than three minutes or so to go in this game at that point. And the Guelph defense just, you know, they've been playing well all game, but really shut them down. I think there was sacks by, I think, Coral, uh, Luke Coral, I think, got a sack. Tavius Robinson, um, the rookie DN from Guelph, who's really starting to get some good playing time out there. He looked good all game. He actually had a tackle to uh, force a turnover on downs early in the game. Um, but yeah, last drive, the Guelph defense uh, just really stepped up and secured that win because, you know, as a fan watching towards the end, I knew my heart was racing. I can only imagine on that Guelph sideline uh, what was happening. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone would have said if you if you were predicting a Windsor upset of Guelph in this game, the way that you think it's going to happen is Windsor is going to be up on Guelph early. Right. And then somehow, hold on, this wouldn't be a Windsor completing a miraculous comeback kind of win. Because that's what that would have been, right? I mean, if, you, if you're saying you're, you're, you're down to Guelph at half, 20-3, to three, and then they open up the scoring in the second half to make it 23-3, to three, I mean, I would have said game's over. No, I, it, it really – it was weird because Windsor kind of just snuck back in. It was – it was almost as if it felt like Guelph kind of thought the game was over and kind of, all right, we'll concede you that touchdown. We still have this. And then they give up a field goal. Okay, we'll give you the field goal. But then all of a sudden they fumble. They get another touchdown. And before you know it, Windsor had the ball with a chance to win it late. Um, so, you know, Windsor moves or remains um, without a win on the season. But, you know, we there's – 
and 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 my dad's in the other room. I'm not gonna wax poetic about them necessarily, but there's still good things that we're seeing from this Windsor team, um, not only on the field but from a coaching standpoint too. So definitely, um, d- definitely some nice things uh, for the future of this uh, organization here. I'd say. I find the running game a little bit concerning for Guelph. Mm. I mean, Theo had a nice day with 11 attempts for 164 yards, and I hate when people do this, but if you take out that 91-yard run, it's that classic <laughs> thing that people do, Yeah. then he's 10 of 70-ish, which mm. is still great. That's still that's still a very nice day statistically, but that's your quarterback. So, okay, you should usually have a decent average per carry for your quarterback because they're not going to be running the ball every time. There are going to be some non-designed quarterback runs. You can do the read option stuff and gain a numerical advantage. Usually, when I see a quarterback with a game like that, you see a running back with a similar-looking game. Right. Guelph did not have that. Kwame Osi was 12 for 42 on the day. That was a three-and-a-half-yard average per carry. Mm. That's a little concerning, especially for an offensive line that I think is one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. The, uh, no, d- absolutely. And, um, you know, J- Jamal Hooker, looking at the stats, I-, I don't remember his name being called that much. I don't remember seeing him get injured, uh, only showing one attempt. Hopefully he didn't get hurt. Um, you know, my apologies uh, if I missed a blatant uh, moment like that happening. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Um it does look like they are designing a few more runs for Theo, similarly, like what they're doing on Waterloo for Trey. Um, but yeah, no, this offensive line is is stout, and they should, and they are moving bodies. Um, I mean, Guelph's offense, <coughs> pardon me, Guelph's offense is just—it's such a mystery. I mean, once again, we when we look at the total plays that they're running in a game, they're sub fifty again at forty six on the game. So it's. Like, I just don't really get it. Like, that's incredible. And I think that's, a, you know, largely a product of this new game clock running all the time sort of thing. But but even still, that's that's wild. That's an incredibly yeah. low number. And also, but yeah, and when you look at how this game sh- uh, shaped up, it, you know, that's probably just the product of uh, some big plays for Guelph. The 55-yard touchdown. Oh, what am I even saying here? The 55-yard touchdown oh. by Cade Bellick and... Uh, a 91-yard run setting up the one-yard uh, touchdown. Um, you know, when you get plays like that, it's obviously you, – you can obviously put up points without necessarily running too many plays. So, I mean, you look at their drive summaries, there's a lot of just two and outs, and then there's the drives where on not so many plays they scored. So, you know, still a lot of questions to be to be um, figured out for this team. Or maybe they're not questions anymore. Maybe I should stop – hoping they're just they're just answers that you don't like that you yeah. like to keep questioning yeah and a question that i had was how would our boy kian schaefer baker follow up his first pretty remarkable game and guess what he didn't play he didn't play uh not I, only was he not on the statute he was not dressed yeah, he was not I, in the game at all so hopefully that's a minor nagging little or not nagging a minor injury that'll keep him out for one week and we'll see him back but I mean, I think earlier in the season when he was missing, that wasn't injury. So, I mean, I'm just I'm holding out hope that everything works out for him because he's such a remarkable talent. Without him, you know, that's a, that's a big hit for the receiving core. Absolutely. Um, hopefully, we'll see him out there next week, back home at Guelph for their homecoming against the Queens Gales. The Queens, wow, the Queens. No, I said that right. Never mind. The Queens Gales. No, I'm not. 
Yeah, I mean, why does gales it sound or weird? golden gales? I, yeah, when you say the queens, yeah, golden gales. Gales, gales is fine. Queens, yeah, you can. Yeah, just don't call them the golden girls. They don't the, like that. They don't like that. Well, I don't know how they feel about oh that. I'm gosh. sure. I'm sure they don't love it. All right, we'll do a little test sample here for all those associated with queens. Comment, subscribe, let us know. Queens, golden girls, yay or nay? Probably a nay. But either way, they're gonna be taking on Guelph for their homecoming. Hopefully, we're seeing Kean back on the field. Windsor gets the week off. Uh, they'll prepare for U of T coming to town the following week. Now for a game which on most weeks probably would have been the hands-down best game of the week. A double overtime shootout by Carlton and Queens. Carlton taking this one 42-39. Uh, game was in Ottawa. Um, and you know what? Despite the loss... This was a good game for Queens because we've had so many questions about this team starting their season off against York and and looking good, moving the being able to move the ball, but with of course the asterisk that it was against York. Then they went out the next week and they got beat down by Laurier. Then they followed that up with a great game versus U of T. Of course, with the asterisk that it was against U of T. So we were just finally waiting to see could this team and specifically could this offense, because you know. Nate Hobbs is is one of those quarterbacks that he he's in that up he should be in that top echelon. He's a veteran guy. Um, I believe in this game or it, it might have been the last one. He's now in the top four uh, queen uh, for Queens in terms of uh, passing touchdowns of all time. He's I think has the top uh, quarterback touchdown um, rushing touchdowns for them, and you know a, a weapon like Chris Osikusi, um, as uh, well as. Um, uh, uh, Del Brocco, you know, they have some good weapons. So it was good to see this offense finally have a show out, finally show out against a, a solid opponent in Carlton. I agree. I think we were a little concerned that they might end up being a team that could beat up on bad teams, but not hang with good ones. And that mm -hmm. loss to Laurier was an embarrassing one. Very, very concerning because they just didn't show up at all. They were outmatched everywhere. This was a game that obviously looks like Okay, these these are two teams of similar caliber, and I mean, when you go to double overtime, you're you're pretty close. And the second overtime game for Carlton, and they found a way to win this one. Yeah, um, which obviously, uh, you know, is much much better than the way that first one went down for them. And you know, the game started off a uh, very very strong. Aruda once again, it's, it seems like he's he's coming out at the start of games um, really hot, which is a good sign. A uh, good sign, and he's spreading the ball around. Um, ultimately the first drive was stalled by, I think a high snap. Yeah, it was a high snap went over Ruda's head. Uh, they scrambled to recover it, end up missing the field goal where, uh, Queens then got a rouge off of, or sorry, which, which, uh, Carlton got the rouge off of, but then on Queens, on Queens first drive. And this is, this is unfortunate because we saw him go down, um, go down earlier this season already. Kenny Onyeka, um, the standout, uh, defensive lineman for Carlton, I can't remember seeing him get hit or fall in a particular way, but you know, he he went down on their first or second play from scrimmage defensively. And you know, at first when I saw that happen, I kind of I, I put the idea of him being hurt out of my head because you know it, it was such a hot day on Saturday. You were seeing in all these games across the board, guys going down and then coming back, prodged from cramping or whatever. But he didn't return, um, which is massive for this game for this team. Uh, He's, I mean, he's a star. He's a star in this league, not just the OUA, but across the country. And, you know, you hate to see that happen. 
uh, Robotai guy that we've talked about um, a lot. He stepped up, and it looked like he's definitely playing a lot more end with Onyeka out, where you know he, he's he's doing fine there as well. Um, but Queens was able to respond um, by scoring on their first drive, aided by a nice 42-yard uh, connection, Hobbs to Burton, who then put when he he caught it. He, most of the yards were gained in the air. But I remember he caught it. It was right in the middle. There was two guys around him. Pulled a nice little whoop back juke. Able to get himself a few more uh, yards on that one. And that's a first-year player. So this yeah. is something to watch. I mean, whenever you have a first-year player having substantial production in their first year, that's that's something to absolutely put an asterisk beside. Not in a negative way, but yeah. just to say, <laughs> you know, put keep some attention on this because that's uh, that's that's pretty impressive. No, for sure. He definitely looks like he can um, – He'll be a good player in this league um, and, and someone to keep an eye open for for uh, Queens. Um, on Carlton's next drive, a very funny thing happened. So Nathan Carter, who ended up putting up a massive day for himself. Yeah, well, what a day. You know, 23 attempts, 159 yards, uh, you know, really good production. A guy that we've been seeing all year uh, uh, do really well. Um, but he actually fumbled which then got picked up by uh, Manchaleco. Manchaleco? Manchaleco. Right. Part, uh, my apologies on that. But he ended up picking up this fumble for Carlton, and then he returned it for, like, I think it was a 64-yard carry into the end zone. It was like the what, – what's the play of the old classic uh, Oakland Raiders, the fumble ruski? The fumble ruski. Where they kick it forward and they end up – I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like that, but that's the closest, you know, comparison I can think to a play that actually looked like that. Um, wild seeing that happen. Yeah, that, that added to some gaudy rushing figures. Uh, Nathan Carter <laughs> with 159 yards rushing. Mantelenko with – the way they put it on the stat sheet is zero attempts for 64 yards and a touchdown. Now, that that <laughs> is how you do special. it. That's how you do it. And uh, what's his average then? <laughs> I guess infinite. Infinite. It is infinite. It is a theoretical average, <laughs> and he has achieved it. Mattia Pickens with 10 attempts for 51 yards on the day and a touchdown. And uh, Quinton Soares got some handoffs too, two of them for 36 yards. So quite impressive figures for Carlton on the ground. This is really the kind of football that I'd expected Carlton to be able to play. And uh, 311 yards rushing is – that's a day for them. That's a day. And, and yeah, so that's kind of the team I expected them to be. Mm. That's what they were last year. And that's that's what they need to be in order to win games against great teams moving forward. No, definitely. I mean, and it's it's unfortunate when you see a team – when you see a team that has the potential and just the, the horses to be able to make – have these types of days you want to see it you know it's like it's unfortunate when when they just aren't don't live up to their potential absolutely and i think a big part of this is we saw the return of someone who we had made some comments on at the very beginning of the year not knowing what was happening with him casey baker Mm. massive offensive guard i don't know what he is six eight three twenty i saw him once in person i didn't know who he was at the time personally i hadn't met him but he you know i'm a big guy i'm about six foot six about 300 pounds this guy dwarfed me. He's just he's enormous. Like just one of those guys who has a frame. You know, he could be 380 pounds if he wanted to be and it wouldn't even look weird cuz yeah. he's just that big. And uh, he's a very good football player. I mean, it took him it took him a while to to rise to the level of his physical ability, technique-wise, but he got there and he did a pretty good job of getting there. I I enjoyed watching him quite a bit. So, that is a huge addition for them. And uh, yeah. And and they've already shown to have 
they, that they can be lethal on the ground. So that's only going to increase that run game. For them. Well, yeah. And I mean, with McGreer having been the only guy, the only incumbent returning starter on that offensive line up until now, having Baker back, that's, that's going to add, firstly, you're going to take off one of your guys who, I mean, you know, typically you'll take off your worst guy who you have on the field and put on your best guy in this case, Casey Baker. So that is a, that's a pretty big swing. And so obviously, you know, Daniel O'Mara is, is a is a good guard for them. Uh, I don't know who was who was. Do you remember who was playing between Jesse Taming or uh, Jesse Lawson? Because I remember last game seeing uh, Taming Taming number sixty three playing for them, and I wasn't sure if Lawson was injured. But no, I didn't catch it. No, no, no. Um, one one other guy defense. We mentioned a couple guys defensively for. Uh, Carlton, one guy uh, that definitely can't escape this game without being mentioned, uh, defensive back Cole Hepburn for Carlton had a, a sure pick six in the first quarter. He's a Sam, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, uh, that one They're was all the kind of DBs. The Sam, yeah. the half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, no, no, no. Um, good to get that straight. Um, a sure pick six right in his midst that he dropped uh, sometime in the first quarter, but he made up for it. Um, I think it was in the third or maybe, maybe in the fourth, sometime in the second half, uh, got his pick, you know, uh, I'll, I mean, I give him his credit for making the play. It looked like Hobbs threw into coverage. Um, but he were, he didn't quite make up for it because like I said, he had a sure pick six that he dropped and he got the pick, but he came a yard short of the six, took it all the way down to the one, which, ah, it's just. So that's, that's brutal. That's brutal. Got to get in there. Um, but Aruda then plunged it in on the very next play. Um, but you know, like we said, it's good to see uh, good to see Queens's offense really show out because at the half it kind of looked like Carlton might just run away with this one. I think it was something like thirty-five to fourteen, uh, and it kind of seemed like, well, as you kind of allude to, maybe Queens just is one of these teams that's gonna beat up on the weaker teams and not be able to compete with their contemporaries or the teams uh, above them. But they fought back huge, um, putting up uh, 21 points in the second half to tie the score, of course, leading to, to, to the loss in overtime. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, a good outing, great outing for both teams and a really enjoyable game. Like I said, this would have been the best game of the weekend. Yeah, well, and I mean, you could make a case that it was. I mean, except for just the the enormity of the Battle of Waterloo. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, so, well, and I, I I kind of stumbled on this earlier. Hobbs did get his 50th career touchdown, so now he is now fourth all-time for Queens, which is a school that you can name off a bunch of great quarterbacks um, that attended that school. So um, big ups to Hobbs. Uh, second week in a row now, we're giving congrats for setting uh, records. Um yeah, it was a great game for him. I mean, 26-42 for 351 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, and uh, 62 on the ground, averaging 8.9 a carry with a touchdown. This is within the context of them not being able to run the ball with their their running back, Jake Puskis. Ten attempts for 27 yards. You can do the math on that. That's 2.7 per <laughs> carry. And uh, yeah, Actually, Rasheed yeah, Tucker I can't do the math on R- that. Rasheed Tucker had two attempts for negative three yards, which mm. is a – Tasty negative one and a half per carry. Uh, Tristan Kutcher had one attempt for negative three, so negative three per carry. So the run game wasn't there. The run game was not there. Yeah. Nate Hobbs running the ball was there, but you know, with quarterbacks, 
you get a mix of designed and undesigned. And a guy like Nate is not the kind of guy who you're typically going to be running the ball with. So he did a very nice job passing effectively Mm. within the context of there being no run game. Now, Aruda passed more efficiently with 26 attempts, sorry, 26 completions on 34 attempts, 303 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But when you have a team 300-yard game on the ground, well, that helps. That helps a ton. So if it ain't broke... You don't gotta fix it, and is that yeah? That's what they say. I, guess? I don't know why you were coming with that, but sure. Well, why the not? run. I mean, the run game was there, right? You, sure, you but go they back also the passed. Well. They also passed. They did. It's that they could do both. The yeah. the the takeaway here is that Carlton had a outstanding 592 yards of total offense on the day, on 70 yards. Sorry, on 70 offensive plays. That's good for an average of eight and a half. That's very very high. Queens. For example, had 6.8 on the day, 6.8 average per play, and they had fewer plays. So Carlton's offense is potent, mm. and how Queens is not the best D in the league. They have 11 of 12 are not returning starters from last year. The one guy who is is Cam Lawson, as far as I know. I think that's what I was quoted uh, a Queens player say, having said. So. I mean, I thought they did a really good job of, of being in this game, of staying in this game. They had a lot of big chunk plays passing. No, definitely. And I think I think going back preseason, before we kind of maybe had our reservations about Queen's offense, I think looking at the schedule, this is a game that we would have been like, this is going to be a shootout. And two very evenly matched teams. Yeah. We thought that going in, we were proven right. Yeah. Um, so moving on to next week, Queen's, as we already mentioned, traveling to Guelph for Guelph's homecoming. Uh, Carlton... Visiting U of T. This week on the 55, Eddie goes in. Zachary, well does Zach. And one man is a guest. So don't beat the rest. It's the 55 on your podcast. We are now happy to be joined by former MT Dub former Wa- Waterloo Warrior. Well, happy, happy adjacent. Happy adjacent. You know, we're... Yeah. You know, we'll see. Yeah, well. we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> for a long time friend of the show, <laughs> Russell Kovshaw, thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, boys. Yes, we got two offensive linemen that used to push me around back in the day. <laughs> Especially um, Eddie. He scares me even now. <laughs> Don't eat me, Eddie. Yeah, the, the sweat isn't just, just from the heat. You're, you're safe. You're safe for at least another 20 minutes. <laughs> 20? Boy. Maybe oh, five. man. Um, and he's a vegan, so you're, you're safe. Oh, okay. Exactly, yeah. Um, so let's jump into this game because, you know, I, I'm so happy that this Battle of Waterloo is finally it, – it's meaningful because it's just it, – when you have a geographical rivalry like, like this, it should be – there should be good games associated with it, and this game was obviously that and more. And U of T and York aren't exactly <laughs> picking up that mantle. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Boy. They're leaving a lot to be desired. Ottawa and Carlton are doing a very fine job. Can't, yeah. Can't be upset with that, but it's great to have the Battle of Waterloo back on the table. And not only that, it's like it's like the glory days of the 90s between these two teams, meeting in Yates Cups and whatnot. So it was definitely really exciting just to be at the game and to see that, you know, Waterloo, you know, made a couple mistakes there in the second half. But to come back in, in the way they did in that fourth quarter with 17 points? Are you yeah. kidding me? And this is, this is coming off the week against Carlton where, although they lost that, they made up 15 points in the fourth quarter just to yeah. – have it tied and ultimately lose at a, 
uh, end of the game field goal for Carlton. But you know, th- this offense is potent, but they also, I guess, dare I use the word cl- clutch? I guess they know how to come back. They don't get discouraged. It's 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 one thing that when I was at Waterloo, you know, we we competed in a game against you in Guelph, yeah, where we were tied at halftime and we were. <laughs> We ran a, I think it was like just like an inside zone read or whatever run, and we we missed three times and we just couldn't get up at half. Yeah. And then we go in tied at 14-14, and then as soon as you guys scored a touchdown on us, it was like I think it was what the score was like sixty to twenty one to end the game. Oh, so boy. I mean, this is a you new can get away from you fast. Yeah, but this is like a new Waterloo team where you're looking at a, a bunch of guys who are in their second, third maybe a couple even fourth years in there that are just really growing and they're growing quickly and they're composed. And that's the one thing that, that even watching them and seeing how they are on the bench, these guys don't quit. And, you know, and I want to say this because in the Carlton game, Waterloo should have won that game, but Carlton was the better team that day because, you know, Caleb Gerard, Waterloo's uh, fifth year kicker, I believe his fifth year kicker, uh, he was injured. So yeah. you don't have your starting kicker. The backup kicker did not exactly. Uh, oh, God. Didn't take it in stride. <laughs> Two chip shots missed. So you're leaving six points on the board, okay? So you well, get... actually more than that, right? Because also there was the Kernick drop oh. that set up one of those field goals. Oh. You know what? And you it's... have the two the two fumbles in rapid succession. You have blown a blown coverage so bad, I, I just don't know what to make of it. It's just, it was those couple mistakes. And that's, I think, just show, they're was, showing their youth. I counted, there was something like six or seven mistakes that were immensely costly. Yeah. The two fumbles in rapid succession by Trey and by Tyler. Again, Tyler's fumble didn't look to me like one of those Bad ball security fumbles looked more like a, a DB. A great, great defensive play. Put his head on the ball. It was good. Great job. Yep. Can't really hate him for that. No. But Trey's fumble, <laughs> that was just ridiculous. Trey's magic, so he's going to get a lot of a lot of love. Hey, and occasionally, we're all not perfect. You know, Trey. Trey's numbers look pretty perfect, though. Trey's probably the closest <laughs> out of any quarterback in this league, I'm going to throw that out, to being perfect so far this year because he's been putting up magical stats and it's only continued this year 389 389 a game passing 15 touchdowns need i say more your grandmother could pass for 200 a game if she had tyler (laughs) now i'm not saying trey's not great but let's let's just let's let's remember chris merchant doesn't (laughs) suck either okay let's just keep that in perspective harry mcmaster's okay over there at western too he is you're right he's good he's good so let's get into this game then. Um, good idea. Let's do it. Um, where do we want to start? Probably at the beginning. That's a good place. That's my favorite place. So coming into this game, there were a lot of things that I was going to be keeping an eye on. But what I wanted to see is that Waterloo's D could stop a great Laurier offense. Or what we presumed is a great Laurier offense. And maybe one would prove us wrong or Waterloo's D would show that they can hang with them. Early on, Waterloo forced a two and out. Stuffing a run inside to Lavondre Gordon and then containing a Tristan Arndt scramble. And obviously you can't take a lot from the first series of the game. But, you know, I will anyways because why the hell not? <laughs> what, what showed up on the first series and then continued to show through the rest of the game was that Waterloo wasn't going to be all that successful running the ball unless they could outgap Waterloo. Now, what do you, when you say outgap, just for if anyone's not familiar yeah. with that terminology. Great. So, between every offensive player, sorry, every offensive lineman mm. and tight end, typically, but it could be other players too, on a line, there are gaps. Between a center and a guard, the A gap. Between a guard and a tackle, B, and then, you know, C, 
there was also the theoretical gap outside the last person on the line. So if it's a tackle, that's a, that's the C gap. Right. If there's a tight end beside him, then the D gap outside of him. The idea is you want to be defensively sound in filling all of those gaps. Those are the run lanes. If you could squeeze them down and fill them with players, they won't be able to run the ball anywhere. Where you get into trouble is where you have guys get blown out of their gap by great blocking yep. or – and Waterloo, that used to be a bit of a problem yeah, for you guys. A bit of a problem. <laughs> Not as much anymore. Or yeah. if you leave gaps uncovered. And there are times when that is fine. The time is not when they're running the ball to that gap. Yeah. <laughs> so that was something that I found Laurier did a very good job of getting to was, was finding gap advantages. And they do mm. that out of their double tight set usually. That's when it becomes most difficult because Waterloo wants to run a three-man front. So that means you have three gaps filled by defensive linemen. Then you have four backers. They like their four backers a lot. Reed, Gray, the Hinsbergers. Those are very good players. Young All, players. Well, young. Jack Oof. being the youngest of the group. Yeah. Gray, Gray is going into, what is he? In, he's Ridiculous. in third year. Reed's in third. Yeah, third year. I think I think Reed's in, yeah, the second or third year. And the other Hinsberger, Devin, is, is second or third? Uh, second year. <laughs> Playing beside his brother. Yeah. A rookie and a, a sophomore. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and they're, and they're great players. Like, I really do like these linebackers. So you have the three gaps from the defensive linemen. Sometimes in a 3-4 scheme, you're sort of asking guys to double gap. That's hard. That's hard. You're asking a lot of your D linemen. Absolutely. They do ask a lot of their D linemen. Yeah. Their D linemen answered the call. They did. They did. They did. Absolutely. A, they, couldn't agree more with that. And, and, and I was very impressed. They also had back Joshua Brown, who's a defensive lineman who was sidelined for the first couple weeks. I saw him on the sideline at the U of T game. Wasn't sure – you know, how he would be when he was back. He looks good. He looks athletic. He's a big guy. He was a difference maker for them in terms of, of stifling that run. But sometimes Waterloo wouldn't have backers containing those those sort of D-gaps. Mm. Soft tackles they were running. They ran some off tackle. Levandre Gordon, when he got to the edge, made hay. Because, honestly, Waterloo stuffed pretty much every single inside run. Every single inside run. And and they did it in with, with precision. It was... It wasn't even like a gain of three. They they were getting tackles for a, a gain of one for zero. the majority of the game. Yeah, yeah, one and zero. There were a lot of one and zero runs. And Levandre Gordon is a good running back. He's explosive. We know this. He can run inside if he's mm -hmm. given some room. He couldn't do that this game. He did do a good job getting outside when the scheme allowed it. That was their advantage. They pressed that as best they could. Well, this team's – I mean, we know this team's just filled with athletes across the board, whether it's in their backfield, at the receiver position, even aren't – can move himself so i mean being able to escape the pocket being able to escape that initial you know escape the box i mean that was obviously huge in this game given how waterloo was looking to shut things down inside absolutely absolutely and this is you know this is an offensive line that over the years likes to feel disrespected and sometimes they have been disrespected at times i don't think this is a year where if they have zero all-stars they will have been disrespected i don't think any of them are bad i think they're all pretty good but I don't think they get a lot of movement. I know they're all very technical. I just don't see I don't see push. So that's a problem for that offensive line. Now they get to the right guys and they execute double teams well on the edge. Fantastic. Their tight end group is very good. Villamizar, very nice fullback. He's often at the point of attack. He does a good job for them. Their receivers, pretty willing blockers downfield. Oof. 
I think one of the one of the low, pretty low damn prof- good at running routes. Yeah, like that's a low profile. One of the best receiving cores in the UA. Absolutely, definitely. definitely. Like, and I don't think it's a low profile. Yeah, well, you know, uh, when I, you have the I, MVP. Well, that's true. That group. That's and, actually, and, that's true. and Brendan Hall, <laughs> Brendan Hall no. announced himself. Obviously, missing a little bit of time earlier in the season. He's yeah. very much back. And you had a rookie like Essen Hamilton, who, although he didn't have a good game, he made this incredible catch out of bounds. Uh, later on in the game, which it was just, it's just like that is the future of that team. He, yeah. he looked great. The future is routinely bright at Laurier now yes. under this Falls regime. He's done a great job. This game is, you know, obviously this is a unfortunate loss for Laurier, considering, I mean, if you replay this game ten times, how many times has Waterloo won it? Ooh. No, I want an answer there. <laughs> uh, you know, looking back, I would say two. Yeah. Two of ten. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And that's not a shot at Waterloo, Windsor. Sorry. I mean, maybe not two out of ten. I just don't think Gloria had it. I don't think Gloria came in thinking they were going to win the. I thought I thought they came in thinking that they were just going to clean house with Waterloo, like they did last year. It was close in the first half, and then second half they just ate food against Waterloo. It was it 75 points they scored? It was it was crazy. But now, if you look at this Waterloo Warriors team, they're a year older. They've experienced. They have more experience on that defense. And you know, a lot of people said that this Waterloo Warriors defense was going to be suspect this year. That was the one area of concern. And you know, if you look at the first two games, you do see a lot of youth there. You lose a. You lose well, a guy. It did look suspect. I mean, against Windsor. Yes. The the only reason Trey Ford didn't have a completely remarkable week. You know, Sam standing Girard. alone is because Sam Gerrard had an even better week. <laughs> Sam Gerrard looked great too, and he's doing just fine in Windsor. I, oh man, don't even start about Windsor. Windsor, but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Windsor's an interesting team. We'll get back to them. Yeah. We have yeah. a lot of yeah. love for Windsor, yeah. but Waterloo, Waterloo again. So yeah. they have three DBs starting for them, who are first years. Is that uh, right, or is it first so, or second? So th- last game they had three rookie DBs out yeah. on the field against. Like we just talked about, the, the best. best receiving yeah. core in the OUA. Yeah, and they went toe to toe and they competed. Yeah, and yeah. so and so we have Tyrell Ford, who's the second year. We have Deshaun Jupiter Dean, who's a first year. <laughs> we have Annie Mello, who's a first year. He was playing safety. Jupiter Dean half. Who's the third guy? Uh, what's his name? That's why I'm asking you. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm exposed. Well, either way, this is this is a young DB core. You have yeah. Lau Frecha. And Merlin, who was replaced, I think, uh, midway through the game through by Mello. And, and and Merlin's a great, you know, he could he can bang. He could bang. I just don't think he was on. That's all. I yeah, I don't, you know, I think I think he's a good player. You have you have Shaq Seeley at the other corner mm-hmm. spot. He's a fifth year guy. Yep. Um Lau Frecha. Who am I missing? I know there's one. Doesn't matter. There's definitely one. Here, there. Here's the point. It, it, they have outstanding young players. I mean, no no disrespect to the older guys. The young guys are their best players. Yeah. I mean, Jupiter Dean is going to be special. Tyrell Ford is already special. Andy Mello was a very exciting prospect. So I think there's a lot of, like, I mean, a lot of room to grow for that defense even still. And it's grown a lot since early in the season. I think another interesting aspect when you look at this game, and especially given that it came down to the wire, is that, you know, the start of the season for Laurier went just about, Probably about what they were expecting. I assume this team had a high pick, a high vision for how they would go. I would have said even better. It po- yeah, probably even yeah. better. But either way, it went very well for them. And then they had the bye and Waterloo having a, um, a a a near a near victory snatched from their hands by Carlton last week. At the very end, 
you know, that, that element of coming in off that, you know, tight defeat versus the bye week. No, those elements are even more emotion building up into it. Yeah. So it's interesting to take that into account too. uh, When you look at, well, if they played 10 times, how would that have factored in? But nonetheless, uh, not to take, uh, not to take anything away from Waterloo. Um, I just, I just, you know, the thing that's so exciting is when you watch them play and you know how young they are, what's that, where's that team going to be in two years from now? Like, where is that team going to be in two years from now? It, it's 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 incredible. It's it's really exciting, you know. And, and they're still on their their path to pretty much getting W's back on the in the well, getting W's in the win column. Well, putting the W back in Waterloo. Put, yeah, you, thank you. There you go. They're putting the W back in Waterloo. They really embraced the L for a while. No water, 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 Lulu, Lulu. They're they're back. Yep. And uh, it's it's a joy to watch. Uh, and and obviously you know. They'll lose some of their players. Ternowski will be gone after next year. He's in third year. I think in an earlier pod, I think in my mind, Ternowski was like a fourth-year player. But well, you wouldn't not. have been surprised to, like, given the way he plays, it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's been around the block. Like, he's a veteran. I mean, it feels that way, doesn't it? it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Waterloo is back. Um, but obviously to be back means you have to have been gone somewhere. And that somewhere in the case of Waterloo was a very dark and unpleasant territory. And so tell me about it. Well, why don't you reverse? Tell, tell why, us yeah, about why it. Why don't you tell us about right. it? But hold on, bit. hold on. Let's let's get through a little bit more of this game sure. first before we before we get, go to the uh yeah. the dark history. So uh if you look at the statue, you'll you'll figure out what the people who watch the game know, and that's that Tyler Ternowski had an incredible game, as did Trey Ford. Don't forget about Gordon Lamb. Gordon Lamb also that played. touchdown catch was remarkable. Yeah, that was a really cool catch. Remarkable. In double coverage, safety coming over the top, making a play for the ball. Essentially turned into a 50-50 ball, but that's later in the game. Tyler Ternowski early on had a slant that was just so great. Firstly, he's so savvy. He gets he gets separation on... Um, I think it was Hutter Copen, one of the one of the DBs for Laurier, uh, on the slant, and takes two hits kind of from opposite directions, bounces off both of them to turn a slant into a forty-five yard gain. Tyler Pinball Turnowski, right? That's what they call him. You know, <laughs> uh, you know what? That's not what they call him, but I love it. Let's do <laughs> I it. Love it. Um, well, no, but he's you know he's just ah oh, he's great. Anyways, I don't want to fanboy too hard. You are, uh, you are. It's just natural. It's natural. But, so, and, but this drive, unfortunately, you know, this wasn't a mistake, I guess. I mean, it was a mistake to let a linebacker come through the hole on the next play. That linebacker being Mario Pineda, who forces the fumble on Dion Pellerin, just flying through an A or B gap. I mean, he, you know, it was a great play. Sometimes you just put your head on the ball and the ball pops out. And that's it. And uh, that, that was, you know, that was it for that drive. Pretty quick. Uh, just a quick note on formation, something that the Waterloo was doing that I found kind of interesting was they were putting Jesse Gibbon at their left tackle. They were putting him at tight end mm. to go with their extra man package. Laurier likes to use fullbacks, and they, they do that to great effect. Waterloo, you know, they, they use fullbacks. They use an H. But in this package, they put Jesse Gibbons at tight end, uh, and they, they kicked then Benny Kozwara out to left tackle. And brought Greg Brand into left guard. So that's their their big formation. This is a good offensive line. Very and good. And yeah, Greg Brand is a good player. I mean, it's it's probably difficult for them 
to know that they have three very good interior guys plus a good guy on the bench and not get use out of them. So this is the way they found, you know, they found a way to get use out of them. Well, I hope with Bertoia they're getting good old linemen. I mean, that's the bread and butter for that man. I'm telling you that the, the line, our O line is, is night and day from like, if you look three years ago. Oh yeah. Three years, like three years we're talking against night and day. It's Jesse Gibbons is a serious, serious, serious CFL prospect. prospect. Yes. Yeah. I think he's an early second round guy. I think he's probably... He bullies kids on the field. He bullies kids on the field, like, in a good way. Like, <laughs> in a good way. Like he, Not for those guys. No, like, he'll just pancake a man and keep him there. I love it. I love, it's just things I'm, I haven't seen in a black and gold jersey in a long time, and it's it's great. I'm yeah, also, I'm also great. not going to... And like, I'm a D lineman. I was yeah. a D defensive end and an outside linebacker. It's great so. when they're on your side. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm also not going to let slide your usage of the term, our O-line is looking great, but I love it. Because you know you gotta rep your squad. I rep this. I rep hey this man, team. you gotta always, always, always. That's that's you can't call that out. What do you mean? Oh, I'm, I'm just, it's them when they're losing. It's I'm, us when they're winning. I'm very, I'm very impartial. I'm I mean, sorry, but we're on record. <laughs> we're on rec- for life, baby. We're on record already saying that we're just blatant homers for the school we played at. So obviously, I'm. Just, <laughs> anyhow, but I do respect other schools. I'm not gonna definitely not, not a hater. Uh, definitely respect other schools too. So I, I also you know so just moving along in this game. Laurier's second drive from their own 20, having recovered this fumble. They they use their double tight formation, as they would for the, the entirety of the game. And, again, like, getting those, those out-gapped plays, I forget exactly how many times they had sort of that, that gap advantage, but they didn't find that early. That was stuff for roughly no gain, their first run on that second drive. And then they tried. They went for a screen pass. Didn't didn't work. Uh, they uh, they they dropped the ball. Lavandre Gordon did. It was it was a little bit hurried. So that kind of happens on screens. But Lavandre with the drop, which is too bad for them because they would have had a huge they chunk look, play on they that. They just looked sloppy at the beginning of the game. They did look sloppy they early. Sloppy. Early on, again for Waterloo, we we saw Trey Ford running the quarterback counter. That was always something you're going to be watching for is how often they would have designed runs with Trey versus him scrambling balancing that out so he doesn't take too many hits but it's an advantage you have to leverage a lot less design this year because obviously he's taken the number one spot it's not lucas mcconnell so you know last year they'd have specific packages and you know they'd kind of both get some time but it's definitely it's definitely really interesting to see how great he's kind of done and even just throwing the ball now he's more comfortable in the pocket than obviously last season but he's been throwing the ball well i think yeah, and he's he's just obviously he's magic whenever he scrambles. I don't think he's <laughs> that had too. he's had I don't know, maybe like one bad scramble all year so far of like it's sort of the the fifteen ish scrambles he's had where you know, he's always getting yards, even when you spy him, even when you try to do gimmicky stuff to contain him. He, he has his eyes downfield too, which is nice to see as well, like especially a young quarterback is that he has the speed to beat you any time when he leaves the pocket. As long as he tucks that ball, everything's everything's great. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. Like Yep. He he just can go. <laughs> we were I don't know. He had this real really nice uh, scramble for I don't know. I think it was like a gain of twenty, and it, he just like he like it was like he deked like ten players. It seemed like it wasn't that many. But you're just like, what? Who is this guy? Mm. Incredible. He's insane. He's completely insane. And so early on in this game, we got a taste of all the scheming stuff Burke did to get at this Laurier defense. One of the one of the first things I want to mention is they had a ton of slants that were very successful. That's because, it, it, from what I understand, Laurier likes to play match defense. So, they ask a lot from their backers, specifically their wills. 
to be able to wall on inside release or sorry inside routes of slants, but also be aggressive in the run game. So they played a lot of counter read, yeah, or or power read where they would have have them the, look the RPO the RPO on a power, yeah, and they would be looking at that will. And if the will played the run, right over his head, they would throw the slant. Yeah. They would have it inside. Otherwise, you know, because you have the half playing high, mm-hmm. typically in the corner. Uh, low and he he's got cut and carry responsibility so he'll try to jump inside stuff sorry outside stuff that's short and inside stuff will theoretically be the will's responsibility so they put that will in a bind jonathan Selfarley, if memory serves i forget if he's playing mike or will i'm, I'm fairly certain he's playing well Selfarley is you know a player who's in you know not calling him out but because cowan is injured you know obviously Lore lost calver and cowan to injury Calvert to the CFL. Calvert to the CFL. Cowan, Cowan to, injury. to injury. Yeah. This is very difficult for me to pronounce. <laughs> a lot of C's. A lot, lot of C's. A lot of C's. Very difficult C's. Come on, Laurier. <laughs> yeah, make it easier for me, man. No, I felt like, like, I felt like every two minutes now. a Laurier player was getting hurt that game, too. It's. Yeah, they really did. It was so, like, it was like every, every two seconds, I'm like, is, are they okay? Are they banged up? Like, Yeah, they weren't ready for that fight. I don't think so. I don't, Honestly, I just felt that they were, were going to come clean house. I just thought that. Yeah, I think they did too. And so one of the things about this Laurier team is this is a linebacking core that isn't what it was in previous years. You don't have Nakis, Nakis Onyeka, you know, who's now with the Toronto Argos. You don't have Calver, mm-hmm. Brandon Calver, now with the Montreal Alouettes. Very underrated player. Now that he's gone, well, you can sort of see it. Mario Pineda moves well. He's good inside. He's instinctive. But it's, it's just not the unit it was. So they put the will in a bind. They threw a lot of slants. Slants were probably accounting for what? Over 200 of their passing yards on the day? I mean, Ternowski had Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. Yeah, Ty Ty cashed in on slants. Um, The other thing I wanted to note, they they realized, Waterloo did, that Laurier wasn't going to cover their fullback, Kevin Beaumier. So they have have an H, Mitch Koernick, and a fullback, Kevin Beaumier. I actually coached Kevin back in the day with the London Junior Mustangs when he was playing offensive line. And he's not a traditional receiving fullback. That doesn't sound like the background Kevin, of a traditional receiving fullback. <laughs> Kevin, it, you're, you did a great job, but that's, that's not you know your bread and butter. You know your bread and butter is hitting people in the face. You do a great job of it. He certainly does. So early on, yeah, he does. Certainly uh, early on in the game, they realized that, that Laurier wasn't going to cover Kevin if they released him. So Waterloo bombered in a receiver, which caused uh, the outside DB to fire. The inside DB, I guess, was had his eyes in the backfield or whoever was covering Kevin, which I guess may have been nobody. It might have just been an error. might have been nobody at all. He released out, and that was first blood of the day. 50, 60? 49 yards. 49 yards. Yep. 49-yard receiving touchdown to a fullback who – has a few catches on the year. Not a great start for for, for Laurier. Laurier. No, yeah. no. Nobody, I mean, that's know, nobody even knew about him at that point. Like, who was this guy? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Tight end. Well, apparently Eddie knew. I didn't yeah. know Eddie. I, did, I, I didn't. I didn't know he'd score a receiving <laughs> touchdown. But well, a good hey. bounce back for Laurier, though. Yeah, Laurier. Laurier uh, answered their next drive, their third possession of the game. They uh, had a you know Tristan Arndt had a nice slant to. Uh, Ente Aguavin, 20-yard catch and run, and then the go route to Curly Giddens, yeah. 50 yards down the field. 
Just what are you gonna do? Like, how Curly is killing me, man. He was incredible. Ugh. Him this and Tyler are pleasure just to insane. watch. <laughs> yeah. Just another example of like this Laurier receiving core, and it's like you could just go through their whole game sheet and just be like, you know, aren't to Gittins, aren't to Hall, aren't to Gore. Like they just they they can air it out with the best of them. Yeah, I mean, I, Coach Folds is a very good offensive mind. But, I mean, you don't have to be a genius to throw the ball to Curly. <laughs> like this, this is a very MVP. simple play. We're just going to throw it to the guy who's going to be 10 yards open. Yeah. And he wasn't 10 yards open on this play. He was just open enough. Tristan Art threw a great ball. This is not an issue of, of Waterloo coverage. This is an issue of a receiver who nobody can cover at this level. Um, but that was a 50-yard pass and uh, run. It was not a touchdown. Waterloo. Stuffed a relatively short run from Lavondre Gordon on the next play, and Tristan Art throws uh, a touchdown pass to who do you think? KGJ Curly Giddens. That's the go. one. Curly. He uh, he runs a end zone corner route. Obviously, Water losing man coverage at this point. Runs an end zone corner route. Drags the toes out of bounds. He's just poetry in motion. An end zone corner route in Canadian ball too. Like that's if you have a quarterback who can get it like roughly in that area, like that should be in man coverage, a touchdown. Very, very difficult to defend. Very difficult to defend. This is again not an issue of coverage for Waterloo. And frankly, I didn't see any massive issues in coverage today for Waterloo, which is a great sign. I thought they they may have been beaten by better receivers. But it wasn't blown coverages. And I thought Ty had a breakout game. Like, one of his best games playing DB. I agree, 100%. Season. Like, he should have had Tyrell two Ford is who Russell is referring yes. to. Tyrell Ford, the second-year player, brother, twin of Trey Ford. He is an absolute shutdown corner. And, and, and he showed that against Curly Giddens on some plays, which was insane. It's funny, actually, how you end up with a quarterback DB dynamic with brothers like sometimes you, know, you get the quarterback receiver or maybe like i don't know an o-lineman and a d-lineman but that just seems almost antithetical to like what like when they were kids like playing like pick up football just in the backyard or whatever like how i, I don't know it's, it's it's funny how that transpired dad's trying to run some routes and the yeah. <laughs> younger brother's not now i'm picking this shit off <laughs> cover me bro who's gonna stop me <laughs> just trey's like nah God, Dad, you're done. You suck. I'm number one. I'm just kidding. No, they got they got strong. I hear like you know I don't know the guys that well, uh, the Fords, but I hear they have a very strong bond and they're really really good kids. And they're really good kids. And uh, you know one of the, one of the guys that uh, you know is a young and upcomer as uh, a receiver uh, who plays actually underneath Tyler Ternowski is Jay McTamney, kid from Newmarket. He's fast. He's got good size. Special teamer on there, but you know he. He works with uh, he works with Ty a lot, and with Trey. And I gotta tell you, like the the dynamic that I hear that is happening in that locker room is is very inspiring, especially being a former warrior myself. Uh, and it's exciting because if these guys are working out together and they're, they're you know, be, and a lot of guys are in the same program and the way Bert runs that ship. I mean, I, I can, I'm gonna fangirl about this team probably the whole time on this podcast. I'm gonna run out of words to say. No, but it's, uh, it's exciting. Please. It is. And we'll get you a dictionary. And thank you. <laughs> we'll fill you back up. I need I need the words of Eddie. Well, to your point about the <laughs> to your point about the culture though, I mean, the video surfaced on like Twitter and Instagram a bunch was after the game, uh Bert's like quick speech he just gave to the boys in the end so, zone and that gave me chills seeing. So that. being there as a 
as obviously a former Warrior, we had an alumni tent at that game. Oh, nice. These were, and this is one thing that Bert and DA and that whole football program has done an amazing job at is re-engaging our alumni. An alumni tent, but at, at Laurier. Laurier. Okay, at Laurier. Moves. And like we're that. talking like, we're talking, we were just like this little, little alumni tent. We got like the legit alumni tents because, you know, Waterloo football, now that Bert's here, we do it right. Yeah. It's not half, it's not halfway. It's full, like all out. So we had a nice little tent there. I would say probably 50 people, 60 people in that tent, probably wow. all alumni people very dedicated to that program and to see that final drive and all of that it they scored that touchdown in front of that tent nice that final drive i know i'm skipping ahead here no oh, that's fine please but that that that's that quick slant for 88 to to tie oh my goodness like it was it was ridiculous just ridiculous and that whole tent i don't know i've never felt this energy i went on the field right after just seeing He's VIP, folks. He's VIP. He was on the field. Yo, get at me. Get at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> literally seeing the energy from these folks who, you know, they haven't seen Waterloo, you know, win a lot of games. Like, for example, I only won six games and I was there for five years. So that's not a lot of games to win in, you know. Uh, and to see that amount of success and you're beating the number four team in the nation. Are you kidding me? 600 yards on the number four team in the nation? It's, I don't know. On a supposedly vaunted defense, yeah, I know, incredible. It really was. I mean, there's there's no other way to say it. It's just, it's, it's a great performance. Yeah. Mm. And uh, you know, even even if I would say that that Waterloo would lose that game more often than not, if you were to replay it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't take anything they did, away. Yeah, they did win. Yeah, you know. So there you go. Just like the Carlton game, right? That Waterloo should have won, but hey, <laughs> Carlton made a lot of mistakes that game too. But anyways. So, uh, you know, Waterloo uh, on their next drive, they got a field goal out of it. I actually, believe it or not, I completely blew it. Tyler Ternowski on the first drive, he had a 45-yard reception. That was not a slant. It was on this third drive that he had the slant for the 45-yard gain where he bounced up two would-be tacklers. Got it. My notes are really crappy. Oh, the, the main takeaway is he's uh, really damn good. So... If you if you figure that out from my commentary so far, then you're listening. Uh, it it does the drive stalls out after uh, a sweep to Chernowski gets uh, nothing and uh, a short uh, drive route to Gordon Lamb doesn't doesn't pick up the first down. So they kick a field goal and they're back to hitting field goals. Caleb, which, which bodes well for them. Caleb Girard well, because we're fancy. Yeah. We learn anything from the NFL week. This past week is that yeah, kickers do matter a little bit. Yes. They do. Cleveland. Bit. Oh, they boy. do. Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. <laughs> oh boy, Cleveland. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh, they're 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 gonna get it. They're <laughs> or they're gonna just, you know, finish like zero, eight, and eight. Oh man. Eight ties. I apologize. I think that's my second like American football anecdote on the show. <laughs> I apologize. That's as that's as much well, as you're gonna get. How dare you? Ugh. So, Laurier responded on the next drive with a little bit of movement. They got a single point out of it. Another Waterloo drive stalled. And then Laurier returned with a Brenton Hall. I think it was a go route. I don't know if you remember. It was it was pretty vertical if it wasn't a go. And that was a 74-yard touchdown. So, Waterloo loses the lead. Laurier retakes it 15-10. to 10. Very much the story of this game going back and forth. It was, it was quite a back-and-forth yeah. game, although for a while – uh, Laurier would hold the lead. But, I mean, we talked a lot last week on some of these games how time of possession factored in. And when you look at the splits on this one, it literally goes Waterloo, 30 minutes, 35 seconds, 
to Laurier's 29 minutes and 25 That's seconds. Wild. So, like, geez. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was it was an interesting game in that way. And, and Waterloo scoring again on a Trey Ford uh, end zone fade to Gordon Lom. The ridiculous catch. So that was that was oh. in the, the late second quarter. He it, Double coverage, an amazing throw, amazing throw by Ford. And then Gordon, just an athletic play. This kid's like a buck 75. He just <laughs> throws him, you know, skinny. He's not skinny. He's an athletic guy. But, you know, a buck 75, throws himself <laughs> up in the air, makes an outstanding catch. Sort of spinning around, holds onto the ball. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you know what might have been the lucky charm for that? Is where that drive started. You want to take a guess? At the 55, baby! That's Woo! it. That's it. That was their lucky charm. If you start at the 55, You're only good things come after that. Only only the best things. Really? And just to quickly talk about Gordon. Gordon is a guy who is a hard worker. And he's a guy who, he's got a big heart. And he plays the game for a lot of reasons. But he plays the game because he loves this game. Like, he lives, breathes, eats football. Mm. And... One thing with him is, you know, I think that, you know, people probably know about Gordon Lamb, but probably before this game, you know, had a bunch of receptions against Carlton, kind of made a little splash, but I think he really came into that legitimate OUA receiver category after this Laurier game. Well, a big thing we kind of joked about after the first two weeks was how Ternowski just stole the show as far as the receivers yeah. went on this team, but they have talent. and it's just, Rich. It was, like yeah, oh. Katia, he's a good player yeah. too. Yeah, and Bernabe oh, Neal's a nice big target. Mm. Mitch Kernick. and when Mitch Kernick's healthy, he's he's a superstar. You know, I, I'm not saying that Mitch Mitch isn't healthy right now. Uh, you know, he, he's a little banged up. Oh, you, you seem, <laughs> seem to indicate that. No, uh, no, well, no. Got out of the bag. I mean, you you can see he's he's a little bit he's a little bit sore. I think he's hurt. I don't know what's going on, but oh, they're he, just gonna have words for you. <laughs> Cut this out, guys. No, I mean it's okay. you can. I don't think we have Bert listening yet. You could you could tell that you know he's Mitch is not a hundred percent. He's not a hundred percent. That's fact, because when Mitch is hundred percent, he is dynamite, absolute dynamite. And you better I, I you can sure as hell expect that when Koenig gets that bye week coming up for on the Thanksgiving uh, week that they have off. That kid's gonna come back the following week with a vengeance when he's feeling a little better, and I and I hope I hope Mitch, if you're listening, I I love Mitch Kernick. I hope he he gets better quickly. Well, I mean, this is a team that you know we we've kind of talked a lot about the sort of tiers yeah. in the OUA, and, and so far we've kind of had Western Laurier just solidified at the top, um, and then kind of your Waterloo, Carlton, Ottawa, Guelph, Mac Queens, and that sort of second tier all battling it out. Um, and, you know, despite this win, the records may still hold out that Laurier finishes in the top two. But if Laurier, can, if Waterloo's healthy going down the end of the stretch, I mean, playoffs is going to be super exciting. That first Wouldn't round. Wouldn't that be oh, awesome? Could Waterloo, Waterloo host a playoff wow. game this year? I don't know. Could they? Stay tuned. <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah, it is mathematically could very well happen. So we'll Coming see. to Warrior Field. No kidding. <laughs> 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 the first playoff game in God knows how long. So... Laurier does take back the lead a um, couple possessions later with a end zone corner to Brenton Hall, end zone corner pass thrown from Tristan R to Brenton Hall, who was matched up with safety Lucas Merlin. This was a funny one. I mean, you know, Brenton Hall is an elite receiver, and they had tried this exact same thing the play before, and it was broken up by Tyrell Ford, who was on Curly Giddens. Tyrell Ford is elite. Curly Giddens is a lead. 
That was a great play. Tyrell almost came down with the ball. Almost. It was, you know what was funny? So close. Funny watching that because that play was very close to Tyrell Ford having made an incredible interception and play on the ball. Or, or KGJ Thank mossing him. Yes. It like it could have gone either way. It could have. It was like it looked like it was like one of those plays where it's a 40% chance that either of those big big plays could you happen. Take that you like lose one. your breath for like that got millisecond. Yeah. Like, and then you're like, "Well, maybe maybe no one will catch it." Yeah. And this was the one time nobody catches it. So uh they try that, they come back to the same thing with a different receiver, different DB covering him and they're successful. Okay. Brenton Hall is a legit legit player. You know, KGJ gets all the attention. Yeah. Same kind of situation we just mentioned with exactly. Turnowski kind of overshadowing shadowing the rest of the, the herd. To an even greater degree because I yeah, think Brenton no. Hall is an elite player. Like, yeah. he's, you know, he'll be uh, – I think he was a second-team All-Star last year. Can't say that for sure. I'm pretty sure, though. That sounds about right. does, right? Yeah. So, uh, that, that gives Laurier the lead, 22-17, going into half. Waterloo has another possession. It was like 10 seconds. There was almost no time left on the clock. So – Laurier takes that 22-17 lead into the half. Uh, Laurier extends the lead to 29-17. It was a LeVondre Gordon touchdown run. Very short. Uh, that was set up by, uh, you know, 15-yard run by LeVondre Gordon. I think, again, on one of those kind of outside zone type runs where you, you're just getting gap advantage. Set the edge. Set the edge. I know. Yeah, Waterloo was getting gapped. I... They did, like, again, very good linebackers, but it's either it's either on them yeah. or it's on the D.C. It's, so. it's, it's tough. I, I don't think – I think D.A. called a great game. Um, I thought he did I too. I really but, do. But you can call out individual errors in, in, in defensive scheme or assignment. And, again, could just very well be the linebackers, could be a D.B. Yep. Who knows? I do not. I can only speculate. Well, I mean, all the great game, the defense has improved a lot. So dramatically, push the dramatically. Since well, I mean, like a lot of the linebackers at this level can play north south, you know, tremendously. But you know that gap sort of scheme when you bring in those extra tight ends, having them now work east west sideline to sideline, that's something that you probably, as a linebacker, uh, you know, they're, they're few and far between the linebackers who can, you know, in the fill gaps incredibly take on linemen, but then also they can chase down left and right as well. And then you got an old lineman who's coming at you chipping second level, and, yeah. you're, and you got to work off an old lineman. I mean, that's that's not an easy task. As much as, as much as I hated linebackers pretty much my whole life playing football, except for you, of course, um, I do I do not envy like that position, but yeah, I read read everything you yeah. know from the O line to what's happening you know. <laughs> To where where they where the step where are we stepping where are we is on the field yeah. you know it, it's it's linebackers a, one of those positions that that can be very difficult to play. Yeah. Uh, coming back to the game, lovely little anecdote there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to return us to uh, what the people are are really here for. Oh yeah, me talking about things related but, to but football. The Battle of Waterloo. Yeah. So the next drive for Waterloo, they end up getting a field goal out of it, bringing it to. 29 to 20, uh, still in Laurier's favor. That hasn't flipped around. Interesting drive here. Something I noticed Trey Ford do was there was a Trey Ford run that, that didn't look like a designed run to me, or perhaps it was just very cleverly designed because what it looked like it was, it was supposed to be a rollout pro to the right, and the edge was set quite hard by the Laurier front. The Laurier has some very good defensive linemen. This defensive line is the strength of their team. And there are the guys we know about, like Robbie Smith and Trayvon James, 
And there are the guys who don't get as much, you know, fanfare, but are legit players. Zachariah Halfron, he was playing some, um, I hope that's how you say it. Sorry, Zachariah. He was playing some D tackle Great and name. defensive end. Sam Achimpong is a defensive tackle who kind of looks like a defensive end. He's very long. He's very quick. Mm. And Alfred Green. Alfred Green's a guy to watch. He's in second year, super athletic, very technical. These guys play well. Anyways, whoever was on that side set the edge very nicely on the rollout, making it hard for Trey to get out there. Trey put his foot on the ground, looked upfield, said, I don't see anyone up there. Why don't I go? Why don't I go check it out? So he did. <laughs> and he got a 15-yard gain on that. And it was just one of those plays that, like, you know what? That would work really well because you get everyone moving. Yep. Rollout pro, linebackers are – you know, scrambling to find where the, the quarterback's going to be looking to that side of the field. Maybe and they're trying to get back into coverage. And especially – obviously not going to be a designed run play. Yeah. But especially right? with Ford's speed, like, your main concern when you see him moving outside the pocket is, like, do not let him just get outside it's, and run to the sideline for daylight. He has, he daylight. has D1 speed. He's got, like, D1 ridiculous speed. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, just – Even yeah. D0. It's, it's just it fantastic. D0, like – Oh man, it's it's fantastic. He's, just so no, no, quick. he's got he's got yeah. incredible speed. It's it's amazing to watch. Like I I hope you guys get to see more Waterloo games. Like I know they're playing here at York. My goodness, might have to go see that. Might have to check I'm, it out. I'm planning to Maybe go to the Waterloo do, Western Maybe we should do a week. podcast at the game. Live to air. air okay. Oh, challenge accepted. Oh, interesting. Oh, challenge interesting. accepted. Anyways, I'll plant that seed so I can keep coming back. Can't get rid of me now. Just kidding. No. Just kidding. <laughs> You're like an infection. You guys are gonna edit that one. Wait, where's my key? Uh, <laughs> it's his podcast I now, folks. Now. We're leaving. <laughs> um, hey, folks! It's time for my podcast. I'm just kidding. All right. But yeah, no, I, I just wanted to mention that because that was interesting. And if that wasn't a design play, that could end up becoming a design play. The, the, the draw out of a screen rollout or yeah. out of out of a rollout pro. Um, looked uh, looked pretty cool. Again, Turnowski on this drive, instrumental catching slants and a 15 yard out that extended the drive that was critical um a couple of incompletions to him stalled the drive can't catch everything folks nope. and uh, uh sam gerard kicked the field goal to bring caleb. it to caleb that's caleb, right caleb yeah that's gonna be a problem all year <laughs> caleb kicks the field goal caleb, caleb is allowed and then you'll be good perfect i don't, and, know. I d- <laughs> don't know what you said i'm just gonna roll with it so now the score is 29 to 20 so, not to be outdone, Nathan Mesher kicks a field goal on Waterloo's uh, Laurier's next drive, rather, because Nathan Mesher does not play for Waterloo. Not the last time I checked. No, no, and me neither. Uh, so, the score is now 32-20. to 20. Waterloo has to respond. Ten minutes left in the game. 32-20, to 20, Waterloo drives the ball down the field. They have a double pass from Turnowski to Kernick, mm. and that was good. And it wasn't even went like, for nineteen. It 19. wasn't even good. Like they, f- it wasn't like they fooled them. That was like that moment in. Uh, this was just a well thrown ball. Yeah, and a good catch. This wasn't. This wasn't a. They just made the defense look silly. That was like that moment in. Uh, um, oh, what's that? What's that football movie? Um, Friday Night Lights oh, yeah, with, yeah. with Bowie Miles and his uncles in the stands, Bowie and he Miles. throws the he throws the pass, and he's like, and he can pass. <laughs> That's my feelings on uh, Tyler Janowski going. Uh, with the, um, the receiver's pass on that one. Yeah, and he had a reception on his next play. So another 16 yards for Ternowski. Trey Ford comes back, finds Bernard Neal. So moving down the field, uh, a Dion Tolleran run for a couple yards. Puts Waterloo in a bit of a, a spot. So Trey Ford on the next play does a big reverse field scramble. 
where he picks up seven yards, which would be short and, and force a pretty critical third down. But guess what? Laurier has a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty on the play. I didn't even see it, so I can't comment on if it was a good one or a bad one. But pretty good spot because that takes them down to the one-yard line. It's a good place to be. And Dion Pellerin punches one in. So, so now Laurier, Laurier only has a five-point lead. That's right. Yeah. So with uh, seven minutes left in the game, Laurier has a drive. They put together a few nice plays. There's a Tristanard scramble. There's uh, a bunch of passes aimed at Curly Giddens, but it's an in- <laughs> it's an incomplete one that stalls the drive eventually. Some complete ones, you know, extend the drive early on. An incomplete stalls the drive after Tristan is then sacked on the next play. Now, nope. big play here. Michael Reed, number 38, linebacker for Waterloo, gets the sack. This is a scheme sack because Waterloo is sending six, and this is a five-man protection. That's a plus-one blitz. Here's the thing. I love Michael Falds and everything he's doing at Laurier. His protection schemes, I don't know if it's a tackle not knowing his rules. He has to squeeze on that. They do other stuff that I don't love, which is the the, the lock and pop. Like, I just don't see why you have to do that in football in this day and age. It just doesn't feel like the most sound way to block it up. Mm. But, hey, if you like that pro, you like that pro. Either way, this is not Falds. This, this right tackle error. I just don't like that style of, of protection. So when you say the he, right tackle error, yeah. the right tackle is looking at a six-man front in a yeah. five-man pro. So the thing that you want to do in a five-man – sorry, when you're getting plus one, so that could be seven against six or six against five or yeah. you know eight against seven. You do the math. It's pretty simple. If you have a guy coming inside on you and your guy beside you, your guard beside you, has to go down to a guy inside of him. Got to take that inside man. Then then the tackle has to take the inside man. That's a squeeze rule. Yeah. And especially with a right-handed quarterback in Arndt, with this out extra man then coming from, we're talking about the right tackle, coming from the right side, he's probably going to see him in his passing lane anyways. If you leave him, he's farthest away from him. He's probably going to have time to make a decision, either get the ball away, maybe make a, sure. a play with his feet. Sure, and, and so he... Even if he doesn't have time, it's the furthest man exactly. having to come yeah. to him. So that's how you maximize that time. Whether or not they wanted to slide one way or the other to take the inside most five or the da- most dangerous five, that's that's something that can be you know debated if they want to go left or go right. That's fine. That's a scheme thing. But the tackle appeared to be doing the wrong thing here, taking the end. And it was very costly for them. Made a mistake. But, hey, that's that's a great call in DA. Great, great job, great IDA. Great call, DA. Great timing. I didn't see much other plus one on the day. I don't, in fact, I don't think I saw any. So, very well timed. Um, obviously, enormously important. And of I, course, this sets the table now. Well, so Nathan Mesher has to punt it away. Waterloo is going to start the drive with 3:08 left in the game. Okay, so they're they're down. I felt like I was going to be sick. They're down by five. This whole series, I felt I was going to be sick because I was so excited. <laughs> well, this whole series didn't really last all that long. <laughs> no. Because Tyler Tronowski oh, baby. took a slant. Showtime. First pass from Trey Ford, took a slant, 88 yards to Downtown, the house. Downtown, baby. <laughs> Insane. I mean, I don't know if it was a busted coverage. I don't know if this was just high. Beating someone like a rented mule in man-to-man. But either way, 88 yards. A rented mule? 
You haven't heard that expression? I have not. A rented mule. You've never heard that? No. If I rented a mule, his name would be Reggie. But besides the <laughs> fact. Besides the fact. That's an interesting detail. Feel, I'm going to keep like that in my Reggie, yeah. deep in, deep in my memory vault. Oh, but I, I do like it. He did, yeah, yeah. A rented mule. Yeah, it's a common expression. Come on. You don't know that? Once you get into broadcasting for it, not use antiquated expressions. I guess I Maybe. guess so. Crazy. A- antiquated. I like this. This is fun. The words game. A fancy way of saying old. <laughs> so, uh, he goes out. Gerard. Kill Gerard. Kicks the extra point. And now it is a 35 to 32 lead. 34. 34. Yes. Oh, that's he can right. Speak the words, but can he do the math? And the answer <laughs> has routinely been no. Uh, so 34. Okay. Interesting. Sorry. And you know what? Silly, I forgot that. That's, I, I got you, man. That's very important. We right? both we both have taken lots of hits to the head. I was a linebacker in defense end. You were a lineman. You know, nice. we're allowed to make mistakes sometimes. Always. Well, thank oh, you. Always, thank actually. You. Thank you very much. So, Laurier getting the ball with two and a half minutes left. A very short drive. Only takes 41 of those seconds up. Long, a long 41 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, Essen Hamilton had a nice catch on that drive. Didn't count, unfortunately, for Essen. Great player, coached him at Wildcats a bit when he's playing JV football. You know, he he went. That that's the one we're talking where he went out of bounds, correct? Uh yes, I believe so. Yeah, it was an amazing, far stretched catch. You know, just to show you kind of like the athleticism that he's going to bring to that team moving forward. Yeah, very good player. Uh, so and then you have a incomplete to Curly Giddens. Uh, Lavondre Gordon has a rush, actually losing two yards on the play. So. To come back to the stiffening Waterloo defense that we've seen on inside runs, Lavondre Gordon did not have much luck. Great running back, but if you can't get pushed inside, nothing's going to happen. So that tackle for a loss was from none other than Curtis Gray, the guy who led the team in tackles last year. It's an outstanding linebacker. Yeah, he's going to play the CFL. He's a really good player. Uh, and then uh, Tristan Arndt had a rush for 10 yards. I guess this is on uh, this is on third down. Was there a penalty? I didn't get this when I was watching in real time. Nothing. No? Nope. Not that. Not that. So then, mathematically, okay, yeah, because it was a two-yard loss. So, very, yeah, there we go. There's the math. So, two-yard loss on the previous play, an incompletion, two-yard loss, and then a 10-yard scramble by Tristan. And he was short. Cut short. He was short. Yeah. And, And uh, And so, you have a turnover on downs. They eventually punted away after having, you know, a, a Four play, fifteen yard drive that took up a minute of the clock. Laurier, crunch time. Forty three seconds left. What you got? Russ is in is is in the tent, guzzling beer so as to not be physically sick watching this game. <laughs> I definitely wasn't guzzling beer, but I was sitting in a crowd of water he was the sipping beer like a gentleman because he's a gentleman. <laughs> I'm a classy man actually. He's he's very classy. <laughs> Uh, we all know that to be false, but we will we will pretend. I was gripping that beer with all my hope that. Something great was about to happen. And it did, if you're a Waterloo fan, that being a short drive that ends the game. Uh, and ends a, what was it, 12-year? 15. Uh, 15 years. 15. 15. My goodness. The closest Waterloo had become had come to beating Laurier was actually when we were playing. Uh, in 2014, it was a 12 nothing game. That's when Laurier was in the cold cellar of the OUA. 12-0. Yeah. We 14. Sco- 2014. Is that what you said? No, 12 nothing. No, no, no. Sorry. When oh. was the game? 2014. 2014. You're correct. You're correct. My bad. Hi, yes. Yeah. But anyways, yes. You should have seen the 
emotion that just came out on that in that in that group. Because Laurie had some rough years. Yes, they we, had some very bad years, and then they got Michael Folds, and then you know rainbows, butterflies, and, and other lolly, lollipops, and, and mostly good recruits and from the GTA area. Yeah, rainbow, sunshine, lollipops, lollipops rain, outstanding recruits, <laughs> <laughs> sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. There you go. That's Laurie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what a game! What a game! Uh, what a game! And. Oh, on the day, I mean, I think you could say Waterloo had a great plan for how to play Laurier. Laurier, I don't know what their game plan was. I mean, I think they just they wanted to run their stuff. They do that against everyone. They do it against Western. They do it against – they did it against Queens to extremely, you know, great effect. Sure, yeah. So, I think they probably thought they could just play Waterloo the way they want to play everybody, and they couldn't. And as Coach Folds, you know, is quoted for saying, you know, they were the better team. They were better yeah. coached. And I think he also mentioned that, you know, adversity is a – good thing for laurier yeah it's a very strong team this it'll is be a, a very team very hard team to beat twice yes yeah. unless you're western i i agree mr <laughs> eddie meredith who went to western in uh, case that was unclear to people listening. <laughs> like let, let's be real here laurier is a great team you know if you look on paper yes should they win the game probably but yeah. waterloo has made amazing strides and you saw it in every aspect of this game this defense with the, the run defense was tremendously better than we've seen what well, we've seen from a lot of the defense in a long time all aspects of this defense are better the 400 and i want to say it was 438 yards of passing notwithstanding yeah. yep. from tristan Arndt. Mm-hmm. that that doesn't i mean that that should tell you that it speaks volumes it speaks well see it speaks volumes but 428 in three passing touchdowns yes. but here's the thing he can do that against everybody exactly and with those receivers that is he not, should be able to that's a really great game <laughs> But even still, Waterloo's, Waterloo's passing defense is getting a lot better. Yep. Still something to be desired from their pass rush. But takes time. one step at a time. Absolutely. Aside from your takes on the game, of course, the great thing having you with us today is your experience as a warrior during some very dark times there. Yeah. So, you know, in however you want to tell your tale there, can you just talk to us about what, what warrior football was like at your time there? with the the scandal happening and what this renaissance of such is uh how, how it feels as a as an alumnus well like you know i was recruited there in 20 uh 2009 um and it was a it was a year where waterloo was coming off i believe a, a two and six season uh we had a, 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 I'd say a mediocre recruiting class at the time and we went we, we had a lot of transfers from um whether it was out of country um Matt's like the luck Chuck, a couple other guys like that came in and were starting running backs. And, you know, uh, our team looked strong. However, you know, well, maybe too strong. strong. Very, very strong. <laughs> <laughs> Concerningly strong. I think the... Listen, uh, well, yeah. Um, defensive back just repped 45 times. <laughs> I'm not here to out nobody, but um, all, all I can say is, that locker room, com- uh, compared to what it was in 2009 to what it is now, is night and day. I walk in that locker room as a rookie, and I'm not, you know, there's a lot of great guys that I played with who are awesome individuals. But there were some individuals on that team at that point uh, who were doing the wrong things for the, you know, f- for the wrong reasons, honestly. Uh, what they thought was the right reason, which it wasn't. Uh, you'd walk in that locker room, and being a rookie, you weren't, you had no right to talk to a veteran. Mm. You know, I was the type of guy where I was undersized and. You know, I'll admit to everybody, was I the best football player? No, I was a special football player because I had special teams. Uh, and 
you know, uh, that's something I was proud about. And, and obviously being a red shirt in your first year, you're, you're trying to work out as much as you can and, and work out with, with veterans. And that yeah, was always encouraged. Eat clean, train hard, Anavar give up. Was that the, uh, the motto? <laughs> it was more like fit in or F off. That was say, the biggest motto. You gotta model. say equipoised. Equipoised. <laughs> We had a, we had a, a thing on the wall. We learned Very we bad. learned really quickly, and it was called FIFO, which is fit fit in or f off. Oh yeah, just, really? Yes. On the wall. on the on the wall, it just said FIFO, and then we it was kind of the culture in the locker room at that time. Wow. Uh, Might have just been someone who was dyslexic trying to just call FIFO. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do play that. And you know, I mean, was it intimidating? Yes, but that year made me a man. We had some of the best coaching in the CIS. You know, we had Dennis McPhee as our head coach, probably you know. Deeker, as he's known in the CFL, one of the best pass rushing coaches in the league. You know, a Joe Pow Pow, assistant head coach uh, and offense coordinator, head coach at uh, you know for the Ottawa Renegades, and and um, very very uh, you know no, the throwing Samoan, the throwing yeah. Samoan, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, uh, Connie, uh, Coach Connie, you know, Pro Bowler played in for the Seattle Seahawks as our offensive line coach, and I'm sure Eddie, you probably spoke to him maybe once, maybe you didn't, but an amazing football minds, amazing football minds. And, you know, you would think that with all that coaching and all the talent we had, we'd be good. But <coughs> our team just didn't really – I think at that point, uh, the guys who were on that team were all about themselves. It's some guys. You know, if you look at a guy like Luke Balch, amazing guy, a team guy. Uh, Pat McGarry, team guy. Um, uh, there's a lot of guys I can say, and I can talk forever, but there was a lot of great people on the team. But sometimes when you have great people some, and the bad eggs are there, it, it shines. Mm. Uh, if you look at like it doesn't take it doesn't take many bad eggs to ruin a bunch, right? And that's yeah. and that's the thing. Yeah, you know, there's a rot, a couple of rotten apples, and you see that as the year goes on. You know, we go three and five. We're bringing in a great recruiting class that time. You know, our our coach Dennis McPhee is very vocal. Is explaining, hey, we're bringing in guys who you know, Russ, like you're undersized. The only reason I kept you is because I could, you know, you could tackle and you you know you have potential, kind of. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I'll be I'll be honest, I wasn't the best football player, but um, uh, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, I can kind of give you guys the moment how I found out the news, which is probably on the university for, you know, and I, I don't forgive the university for doing this, but they've done a great job since to turn around the football program. So I'll give them kudos well, for that. They, they fixed an egregious, unforced error of a mistake that they tried to set precedence. They took politics over anything, you know, like we got one morning. It was a Wednesday. I get a phone. I get a I get a text. Uh, they're like, you need to be in the locker room at 530 sharp tomorrow morning. Now we have Wednesdays. We have our morning practices, anyways. So I was like, "Oh, we didn't hear about this. Now why are we hearing about this afternoon?" So we're like, "I guess it's another morning practice." You go in the locker room and like just to relive the moment for a second. You're in this locker room as a rookie. You don't really know what's going on because you, I, I wasn't associated with the guys who weren't doing the right things. You know, we didn't really know, and the guys who were doing the really bad things weren't even people who were playing, which is the worst part of the whole thing. They weren't playing. Mm -hmm. Maybe one or two guys, but. Out of that nine, those other people weren't even like dressing half time, nor not even starting. So, anyways, walk in the room, and all of a sudden we have to sign a sheet of paper. And I'm like, "What the hell is this?" You sit in the locker room, and there's 80 of us, and then your head coach comes in like bawling, and then you look, and you're like, "Wow, this is something, something seriously wrong." And then your head, your 80 comes in, and history is about to be told to you, saying, "Hey, this is, you know, I didn't even know what was going on." He's like, "You guys all know what's going on." You all know why you're here. I'm like, I have no idea. Why are we here? Could somebody please help me? Trying to still get the sleep out of your eyes. Yeah, you're like, what is happening? And they're like, you're getting, you're all getting drug tested. This is the biggest drug test ever in Canadian, in, in 
Ukrainian sports history, mm-hmm. and you guys are a part of it because we don't want you to be in the newspapers, and we want to clear your names. So we fast forward to June. We have our spring camp. You know, uh, I had a great spring camp, so I was happy about that. But uh, fast forward to June, I get a phone call. I'm waking up. It's like a, it's a what is it, a, a, a Thursday or something. It's all, everything comes on Thursdays, you know? Um, and you get a call, uh, and my mom's like, Russell, somebody from the Toronto Star wants to talk to you. And I'm like, what? I don't get it. I didn't like, have that good a spring game. No, I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, trust me. Uh, I can tell you a story, but I probably shouldn't. Um, anyway, so I'm like, what's going on? I look at my phone. I have like 50 text messages from my teammates and my friends. And they're all like, this is like going crazy. And I'm like, yeah. like, yo, they screwed us over. They canceled our season. I'm like, what? And then I answer the phone. I'm like, hello, who is this? He's like, oh, it's David Grossman from the Toronto Star. I'm like, oh, hi. He's like, so Russell, like you're one of the only GTA players on the team i wanted to call you and ask you how you felt about your season being canceled and i was like oh oh uh i didn't even know yeah i found out from a, a newspaper guy called brutal me. way to find out yeah and then the toronto sun called my house i'm like i don't even know if these people got my phone number yeah. like, i'm like is somebody at waterloo getting my phone number and i just pretty much had to tell them like the guys who did the wrong thing should be the ones who were taken away you know there was 65 guys in that locker room Nine of them tested positive and not saying that those nine people were not bad people. They're not they're, that they're bad people. They're not bad people. They made a mistake and it happens. But you look forward moving forward now. You're like, you know, look at what there's a lot, a lot of those guys are doing great things with their life. Aside from that, there's a lot of clean people and our school took the precedent. And you know what? Power to them. It did really change the, the, the whole vision of, of that. I hope I'm not rambling on too much. No, no, no. That, it's fine. You're good. I mean, I, I this is one of those situations where babies are thrown out with bathwater in a way mm-hmm. that, that seems fairly callous to me and, and, and thoughtless. But if you... I mean, I guess knowing now the way that Waterloo has had this resurgence and you now see the light, are you, you're more able to, to sort of to see the, the reason why they did what they did and, and understand their perspective. Absolutely. And you know what the, the most emotional thing for me is, is like you look at the years we had that fake season and, you know, we did a lot of team building and it was, it was great. It was a great learning year for me to, to learn how to actually know football better. Um, playing fake, fake games against Mac and, and I think Guelph and a couple other teams uh, was a really humbling year. And then we go in. And we, you know, we almost beat York. We're up seventeen nothing at halftime, and we lose it. We lose in overtime, which is unfortunate. But in our fake season, we go zero and eight, and then we come back. And you know, everybody's working hard. We have good recruits. You know, the veterans like myself are playing a role of, hey, you're probably not going to start because you got a bunch of new kids coming in. You're going to be a leader on the field. You're going to do whatever you can to get the practice amped. You're going to keep competition high. And then we won two games that season. Went two and six from zero and eight. And then the, my last season, unfortunately, went one and seven. But to see what has happened so quickly. As soon as I left with one and seven, we went 08, 08, 08. I think that, that's what it was when they brought Bird in. And I was like, I was scared because in my mind, I'm like, I never wanted to see, no offense to York, uh, but when I was, I, I got re- recruited to York when McLean was there and they were down 65 nothing at uh, Queens at halftime and he brought the recruits into the locker room. Not a good idea. Um, <laughs> they've come a long way since then, obviously. Mm. Uh, but, um, for me, I was like, I never want to be a part of something like that, ever. Yeah. And when I saw the two 0-8s, I was sad for the guys on the team. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this 4-4, four and four, and you're like, the 4-4, uh, well, sorry, the 4-4, four, four, the 4-game four four winning oh. streak. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Anything I'm, is possible. I'm like, well, hold on. Like, what? Like, what the? F-? 
you know, like, holy shit, man. And now I, I don't want to say I called that season, but I did. No, but, <laughs> yes, but Eddie. you know what? I, I we, was can be at, fr- we can be friends then. I was at the Western Waterloo scrimmage that year. And of course, that, that year being last year, a year ago, the year that Western ended up winning the Vanier Cup. And let me tell you. Oh, wait. Did Western win the Vanier Cup? Sorry, are you sure? Sorry. Was it? They, uh, they were the best. Let me, let me just check. Let they were the check. best team in CIS history. Like, uh, well, sport let me, let me just check real quick. Western yes, Mustang, Western won, won the... the Vanier Cup in outrageous fashion. But did they win the Yates too? Yeah, and they won the Yates semi. Oh, against I wonder, Guelph. I wonder oh. how much. I wonder how much they. Uh, how much they scored on Guelph? <laughs> a lot of points. Um, Many points. But, but, but hold on, hold cool. on. There was there was actually a point to this other than just rubbing it in. But the fact uh, that you scored eighty five points on us in our first game back, when everybody yeah. had the syringe uh, signs. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That was a fun oh, one. That was two thousand. That, that was a classy move. We stay classy at Western. Um. Anyways, what the point faster? the point I was going to make before I was prompted to uh, to gloat was <laughs> you don't take much prompting i didn't i mean it's subtle but you see i read all the signs now the point i was going to make is that I, I was at the western waterloo scrimmage and western obviously had a great year and i wasn't wasn't sure they would based on that scrimmage because i didn't know how to deal with waterloo looking pretty decent against them mm. to me in my mind that was just that was a sign that, that western must have been uh, you know, on the road to uh, not a bad season, maybe Mediocrity. maybe a six and two season, maybe a seven and one season, maybe an eight and zero, oh, but not a convincing eight and zero. Oh. Um, boy, what I what I should have seen was nope, Waterloo's going to win four games, and one of those is going to be against Carlton. It should have been five games, and it should have been five because that Guelph game, game. Oh, that sorry. Guelph game, that hurt my soul. Yeah, that <laughs> hurt my soul. But, yeah. So so just just to put it in perspective, that was that was a really interesting yeah. moment, a watershed moment for me. Um seeing how much better Waterloo had gotten, not fully realizing it yet. Mm. But sorry to to bring it back to you. So now after all this time, Waterloo is stepping into the sun. Pretty much it all starts with Bert. I agree. It all starts with Bert. And whoever decided at Waterloo that he was the guy to hire, God bless you. Because that man, no, I, and, I, and I said it when I spoke at, at our gala about three years ago. You know, I talked about I talked about what Waterloo means, not just for football, but it means for school. And what it means for the opportunity for these athletes to go to Waterloo. Uh, and then to have the opportunity to actually be able to compete again. And do it in a fashion that is respectable, in a fashion that is p- puts uh, Waterloo back in, in relevancy. relevancy did I say that right? Relevancy. relevancy. Yeah. yeah. To in the in new sports as well as the OUA, and they bring a guy like Bird in, and he's a grinder. He's telling me about all his plans, and then you start seeing these plans happen. And I don't regret for a second pointing at him in there and being like, "This man is going to save this program." And the one mm-hmm. thing I think every single guy who was on our team, whether it was the steroid year or you know whether it was and that year's in the, that's in the past, way in the past. They let it stay there in the vault. Um, and whether the years where we were doing that whole going through that whole rebuild, they can be proud and know that although we didn't win a lot of games, you kept that program alive. That school could have pulled the rug underneath of us, underneath underneath us, and we could have had nothing. And you could have never had a place to go and never had a place to be and, and be proud of like we are now. And that's why watching that Laurier game this week for me was just it was it was not it wasn't that it was like emotional like I was crying. It was like a feeling of, hey, you know what? 
Like I was a guy who didn't leave. I didn't transfer. I, I knew that football was not my end game for a guy like, you know, Eddie, who probably should be playing in the CFL right now. Uh, no offense, Zach. I know you're super no. talented too, but like a guy like Eddie who should be playing in the CFL right now. Like that's, it wasn't my end game. And Eddie, yeah. you will play in the pros. I tell you, bro, let's go, baby. <laughs> uh, I get, I have ADD. Let's be real here. Look, squirrel. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, no, I hope for you, man. And anyways, you're going to be a hell of a coach regardless from the way you've been talking. Uh, but the whole point is, like, you put all this time and all this effort, and then you see them do that against your rivals who you haven't beaten in 15 years. It just is like, it was like, wow, finally, mm-hmm. relevant. You beat a ranked team who won the freaking, <laughs> like, like, I... Yates got two years ago. Yeah. I mean, no, it's, in, yeah, it's like, incredible. It's an incredible accomplishment. Yeah. It is a watershed moment. And that- then, and now I'm going to rip hard and say, you sports, how the heck? Who is voting on that top 10? Well, is there something you disagree with? Yeah, Guelph being number 10 with two <laughs> losses. Are you kidding me? Well, I, no, I'll be the first. I think I said it last week. Yeah. Having a one in, like having a team with a one and two record on that list was just embarrassing. Is, is this voted by coaches nowadays, or is it voted by the media? Like, who who's doing this? I no, I think it's an intern at U Sports a just taking names system, out of a hat. As far as I understand, what's probably the problem for Waterloo right now is that there is a very long tail to the point system. So they have in their formula, I think. Like several years, it goes back. That's in terms, awful. In terms of giving it a base of points, that's so that, awful. That helps yeah. Western and Laval and Montreal and Calgary, but and Guelph it, apparently. Apparently, that's Guelph awful. as well. Yeah. I agree. I think it's stupid, and to me, the the rankings are are sort of made null and void by Waterloo's omission. Um, yeah. If you want to get angry as a Waterloo person about the rankings and use that as a chip to. You know, they should yeah, chip material. on your shoulders and go ahead. Yeah. You know, if you, if that's the kind of thing that gets you fired up, uh, I will just say that I believe in you, uh, and I, I think that yeah, it's I it's uh, invalid invalid rankings. The Eddie Meredith stamp of approval means vastly more than any ranking system could. I think that's known. Um, but you know, sticking sticking with that system, and um, you know, I I guess first I should say say. You know, thank you for sharing us uh, that those details of of your journey there. I mean, it's really good. Thank to hear. you for sharing. It was thank it was a little scattered. I, I apologize. No. Hopefully, you guys got something interesting out of that. It was a very interesting experience. No, it it, it was great. But you know, with the two of you in this room, this just makes it all the better for next week's matchup. Western Waterloo. Western, another ranked team that Waterloo is going to have to try and take off. If they if if they can't get on the U Sports list, if they take off take down Western, then oh. then well, if I there mean were yes, any... there are all sorts of crazy <laughs> hypotheticals that don't even need to be gamed out because they're just so ludicrous. But sure. Oh wow, ludicrous. Ludicrous. Oh, the know. rapper, get back. You don't know me like that. But you know, next week that's it's going to be an interesting game because you know, will it? You don't, you don't think it's gonna? There's not some interesting no, to see I, I what do, this offense do can do against. I think there's some definite story. There's storylines there, hundred percent. Uh, there are storylines there. It, this could become a very interesting game. It is the Trey Ford show. If Trey Ford does Trey Ford things, the magical things that he can do, Trey Ford things. Yeah. Then absolutely it could happen. I mean, I just think this is far and away a better defense than what Laurier put out there. Who would have thought at this point of this season that Waterloo's offense would have more total yards than Western? More touchdowns than Western. Who would well, have that, thought? Having played That's... more games than Western, <laughs> I mean that that definitely helps. This is true. That, that definitely that, helps. But still, like, I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> 
I, <laughs> this is how you know I I'm a huge Waterloo guy. Yeah. No, no, no. Listen, Waterloo is in a fantastic spot. They have lots to be proud of. They have moved into the, the second tier. Sorry, into the first tier from the second tier. Is that that's official? That's now? official. That's, that's official. That, that, that's Eddie Merritt rankings. Okay. I, I honestly, that's official. I honestly believe that Waterloo can compete with Western. You know, I don't want to be too too far ahead of myself and say, you know, they they're gonna outright beat them because that's not gonna be the case. Uh, it's gonna be. If Waterloo wins, they literally cannot make a mistake. They cannot make a single mistake. Well, I don't know if they made any mistakes against Laurier, and that's what it took pretty much for pretty much for them to get the win. Yep. So, I I mean, I mean there Western, was Western everything that Laurier does. There was and, the fumble on the on the like in that red, in the red zone push there on the twenty. You can't have that against a Western team. You're no. you're gonna. It's I like mean, it's like a tennis match. It's like you don't want to have you want to have that break point. You know? Sure, sure. I don't really consider a fumble a mistake if it has good ball security on it fair enough but but i mean i know what you mean I, that's a that's a fine point so they have to not only make no mistakes they have to get lucky and sort of the the bad bounces not go against them that could happen i don't think it will i think western is i think i think western is like a two score favorite so and they're not and they're not the team that played against carlton in week one because you know they didn't even have play a scrimmage to start the season so correct they're very much not that team and no. the, their game against mac and then their game against york will will prove that to anyone who wants to watch the film <sighs> game against york Ugh. neither are really watchable neither Sorry, are even remotely york watchable fans. you, you don't need to apologize they should apologize to you yeah uh, no uh, that was that was tough that was tough and then i feel bad for york but yeah so anyways that's that's the tell of the tape it is two offensive juggernauts one one defense improving, the other defense as they say already quite good. As they say, defense wins championships, and if if, if that tomorrow... is the thing, defensive players often say yes. <laughs> well, I'm sitting I'm sitting yeah. with two offensive linemen. Um, I played defense my defense my whole life. Uh, all I'm gonna say is this: it, it's when it comes to Western Waterloo, in my opinion, it's a defensive match mm. in the sense of we know what Waterloo's electric offense can do. We know what Greg Marshall's offense can do. Uh, that goes without saying. Uh, not even saying. I that. like saying it though. Yeah, but when it comes down to uh, what the defenses can do, that is going to be the biggest catalyst of this game. Which defense, which DBs are going to be able to come through? You know, uh, if you look back to that Carlton game, there was a lot of uh, good breaks for Carlton. Uh, you know, a lot of wide open receivers. There and were think, also some bad breaks for Carlton, and so and it's too. just it's something that that's, that's worth too. mentioning in that Carlton Waterloo game. There were. Mm. Many, many highly costly mistakes by Waterloo. But there were also some plays. I mean, Carlton left at least 14 on the board. Would you say that this is Western's first big go of the year for them? Like, would you put Waterloo over Mac now? That's a, that's kind of a No, no, no. It, Carlton. Carlton. Oh, right. Carlton. Because, of course, that was a close game. Yeah, okay. No, but they also it was an overtime win for Western. That counts as a close. Okay, game. now now that Western's at least primed, would you say so, that? So I mean, let's just we'll just say that game never happened. Let's say that and game never happened. Correct, and this is the first big go. Yeah. Mac's yeah. offense, Mac Mac is is working through a lot of stuff with an offense that was both very injured and extremely young against Western. Mm. Who would have thought we'd say that yeah. <laughs> this year of all the like like yeah. a year after Western just dominates people or even who thinks that. I'm just it, to me. I'm lost for words. Like, who would have ever thought that Waterloo would be considered that in that realm now? Max, Max declining. If you look at them, Queens. People, people who've watched Trey Ford might think that. Oh man, it's more than just Trey, though. It's it just, is more than Trey, but but he's incredible. Trey, and Lucas McConnell is a legit quarterback. Yeah. Lucas McConnell is probably better than about half the starting quarterbacks in the league. That might be a little bit hot, but he's a good player. You would not 
look at him as a weakness on this team if you were starting. Nope. But Trey is a transcendent talent. He is different. He he's a very very special player. Elite. We have never seen someone like. He is this a in Michael Falds of this league. If no, you look back, he's not. Michael Falds played better. He's, he's Michael Falds with half a second off his forty time. True. That's I, that's very interesting. Wow. Well, Michael Folds. Michael Folds was mobile and he was yeah. fantastic and yeah. a better pure passer. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Folds is when you think one about of the, the best. The, the, one when of the you best. think about the pantheon of great quarterbacks in this conference, you know, I think I think it goes sort of working back. You got Will Finch, you have Quinlan, you have Folds, you have Brannigan, and then you. Maybe, I mean, Sinopoli. Sinopoli. Sokovi. Sure, Josh. No, yeah, sure, sure. I watched a lot of Gigi's games. My brother was fine. a Gigi. No, no, he fine. Was, he was an incredible the Gigi's passer. Gigi's had a lot of great quarterbacks. A lot of great quarterbacks that do a great job. All I'm saying is, is Trey Ford will be in that pantheon. And he, you know, again, not the most polished, pure passer. But also a I, I hate it. I hate it when people say that about mobile quarterbacks because it can be a little fraught. He is a good passer. He's an excellent passer. Yeah. So that's something worth mentioning. It's worth, it's worth driving home. So one way or the other – we're expecting a lot of offense in this game. Score might be skewed one way or the other, but these guys, th- these offenses are potent. If I um, were guessing at a score, I would say it'd be like, you know, 50-ish to like 30-something. Yeah. It, well, I, I don't bring, think... Bring, bring your antacids, because this is going to give you a heartburn. Oh, God. oh, yeah. Well, Russ, do you want to stick around while we go through the other games left uh, for next week? Up to you guys, yeah. We can, yeah. We can talk. So on the flip side of the Battle of Waterloo, of course, Laurier and looking to bounce back. Uh, they're going to be visiting Mac next week. Mac, um, I still I don't take much to that win out of U of T against them. Still so many question marks offensively for them. I think Laurier is going to – I think they're going to steamroll them. I, I don't think they're going to hold anything back. I, I have a bit of a different take on this. Okay. Uh, I think Mac has found – I think they found their starter now. I think uh, – I think Duick is the guy, and I think what he showed in that game, especially in the second half, was that he was comfortable, he was confident in the pocket. Tommy Neal was back. Again, this was the guy who they were missing against Yeah, Tommy Western. Neal was an absolute And what do you have, 200 yards? I mean, oh, man. And this guy is a stud. Circus catches, touchdowns. Listen, second-year quarterback to second-year receiver for 200 yards on the day, protected by four out of five being second-year offensive linemen. Or I think one first-year guy played, Brad Carell, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. I mean, obviously, after coming off an emotional loss, mm-hmm. Laurier is going to bring the heat. I think Laurier's going to – I think Laurier's going to kick some ass. They are so hungry. They were so upset after that game. I think Laurier needs to make a statement. They're going to have to make a statement big time against Mac. That's well, what, that's then, what I'm thinking. Well, then I will be the lone voice dissenting, saying I think this is going to be a decent game. Again, maybe not – I still think Laurie is favored, obviously. Mm-hmm. I just I'm thinking maybe Mac can keep it closer. Sure. Can show you some stuff they haven't done. Again, remember, completely rebuilt front seven, getting better every week. I, I think I think I think we're writing off, I think we're kicking dirt on Mac's grave a little bit too soon on the side of the room that I am not on. <laughs> I'm so, like, I'm thinking I'm thinking and this can be bold of me, but I'm thinking like Laurie's gonna score like forty two points and Mac may be lucky to get twenty one points. Ooh. That's how bold I'm being right here. And that's a Greg Knox defense, your uh your your I know, I know, I know, I'm not, I'm not trying, I know, and I know Greg Knox is an amazing coach, but Mm. I think Laurier is going to be hungry, and this is a statement game for them, especially after last week. I won't put, I won't put a prediction at at that big a gap, but I am also, (laughs) I know, but I am also big on, on Laurier for this one. Um, You know, playing in Ron Joyce is never easy. Uh, That's a hard place to go into and take a W, but uh, for all those reasons we went over, 
Uh, I see a, I see a win for Laurier, but you know, if, if Mac does take it, that you know, this every week we're flipping so many scripts on what we thought was the case in this league. And then one team beats another, and we're like, "Well, we need to reassess everything we know about anything ever." Yeah. Um, so we were wrong. We were absolutely wrong. So I mean, even if Mac, even if Mac fights them tight, and and if, if we do, if they do show that consistently now their offense has you know figured their stuff out against Laurier, then like I said, that that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother barrel of monkeys or something. Words. So bring us to the other monkeys. previews of the week. Who else we have? Well, then we got uh, York traveling to Ottawa. Ottawa's a team that you know. I, I I think I was saying last week is a huge uh, surprise team for me this year. Well, I agree, and it's Norfolk. it's you know obviously yeah. the home field advantage mm-hmm. is big in every game, but it is enormously bigger when it comes Massive. to traveling to Ottawa, and that is a tough team to bounce back against. And they are they are defensively so stout; they're getting better every week defensively. And they're a know, dark horse. And Hunchak, we don't know his status. I hope to uh, uh, it's a, you know it's a dark red that horse is. Dark crimson. I think I think it is a is or a Gigi horse. It is, yeah. C'est quoi un Gigi? That's C'est what all Gigi? The, That's what all the French guys oh, yeah. would say. I believe it is a horse. So uh, I don't think anyone's gonna think that this is anything but a gg win no, no, no. i mean nobody who's not taking hardcore drugs <laughs> um so then moving forward uh the other ottawa team carlton going to visit uft um coming off a nice well second their second overtime uh game this year so far but uh Man, this one to win yeah um and you know still some nice things we're seeing from uft but it's obviously still not in the class of Carlton. No, it's not. And no. Carlton's obviously strength of their team, or one of the strengths of their team is their defensive line. And yeah. one of the weaknesses of U of T is their offensive line. So we that, don't, that is not a great matchup. Not, not that I'm saying this is a difference maker for this game in particular, but that defensive line, obviously, um, with Onyeka not knowing his status again, uh, that, that, you know, down the line at least, that could have big ramifications for them if it does prove to be on the line even. Oh, hey, oh. I like that one. Wow. Um, and then last game of the week. Zingers. Last game, uh, Queens visiting Guelph. Guelph's homecoming. Um, you know, Queens finally, their offense starting to show some rhythm. Like, we kind of talked about how they played good against York, and then they disappeared against Laurier, and then they played good against U of T. And then what was going to happen with Carlton? The offense came out again. So it looks like they've found their rhythm, too. They broke the pattern of, of, of with a very small and, you know, you know, non-representative sample size. They broke the pattern of playing well against bad teams and poorly against yeah. good ones. And so hopefully they can keep that up. Obviously, U of T isn't maybe that great of a team. They're playing U of no, T, right? No, Guelph. Guelph, Guelph. coming. Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Guelph. Uh, Guelph, Guelph obviously Windsor is a good team Guelph, and right? a very good defense. So hmm? Windsor, Windsor beat Guelph, right? No, no. Well, oh, um, no, 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 little, no, no. But it was close. It was close. That's right. That's closer than it had any right to be. Yes, mm. that's what I was thinking. Like Guelph has to kick it into gear at some point. Yeah, and this could—I mean, this could be a, a turning point on your home field for your homecoming. I mean, it could be, it, or it could, it could be. be, or it could be the other kind of turning point. Yeah, where things just start to snowball and don't ever come back. I uh, we'll see I, what happens. You won't have to score a ton of points to beat Guelph. That's the thing is Guelph isn't you, scoring a ton of points themselves. This is true. Um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Queens. You're welcome. Uh, it's gonna be. I think it's the game of the week just because of the matchup. But I think. I think Queens. And I, I'm just saying that because of you. I'm gonna. Well, I think. Stay I, out of I, the think it, I think it could end up being the game of the week. Uh, or it could end up being the most entertaining game of the week. Yeah. The, tight, the yeah. most tightly contested. And it'll be a good test for Guelph's defense because they've they've been showing all year that they can 
um, you know, that they're one of the best defenses statistically, but they haven't had the most challenging uh, teams, even losing to Ottawa and Mac. Those aren't big scoring teams. So uh, we'll really see what this defense is made of going against Hobbs. But that's that's week five in the OUA. Um, and Russ, what, uh, thank you so much for joining. It was a pleasure. I, I appreciate it. I got, I got to tell you, you got two great, great guys right here. Eddie, oh. Eddie, who's just the analytical and big words genius over here. And then we got Zach, who's like my favorite, uh, my favorite Jewish uh, football player. Well, you're my favorite Jewish. Oh, uh, my, so my man! Somehow that worked out, right? Yes, you, sir. You, you two are my one and two. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Actually, that's a lie. I really like Jeff Schwartz, retired offensive lineman uh, in the NFL, and his brother Mitchell Schwartz. <laughs> there you go. Very nice Jewish boy out of there in Kansas City. Very nice Jewish boy. He's <laughs> a good him. Jewish boy. I'm glad I could. We gotta find Zach a nice Jewish girl. You know, a very ah. nice Jewish girl. Oh, yes, Bring man. her home to Bubby. <laughs> <laughs> I got my girl. She's not Jewish, but oh, she's, I'm she's fantastic nonetheless. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for having me. I mean, uh, I hope you got to like learn a little bit more of like you know the experience that I was think awesome. Lou's going through. Really and I awesome. Think, I think that program just you know uh, if any recruits are listening out there, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, if anybody's listening out there about that, he's program, not kidding. You should be listening. You know, I mean, you gotta give it up to Bert, Bert Chris Bertoya. He mm-hmm. is him and his staff and DA. To me, that as alumni of that program. A guy like that, and also like a Luke Balch who's stick, stuck in around and, and helping helping that offense, helping that team. These are guys who care about the kids and they care about Warrior football and care about football in general. And they're great guys. Anyways, thank you guys for having me, and I hope I can be back on at some other time. It was absolutely a pleasure having you on, and I'm sure we will have you I on again. Can't wait the for the upset, Eddie. For which one? In, I'm in, not saying in, in which. the golf game. <laughs> I'm not saying which, Eddie. I'm just gonna say I cannot wait. The upset. I can't wait for you to be upset. Oh, oh, oh. well, I'll see who I'll see a warrior. Oh, look how the tables have turned. <laughs> well, we'll have to find out what happens, uh, but sure to be a great weekend. Uh, yeah, we'll see you soon, Russ. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, so that's all we have for you this week. We've given you the, the recaps, the previews, and a little bit of talk on Waterloo and their resurgence. Make sure to check back with us in next week. I think. We're going to try to post Tuesday night or, or Wednesday morning on average. Yeah, definitely try and get out earlier in the week. Um, once again, a, a big shout out to Russell Kovshaw for joining us today. That was fantastic. Hope you guys enjoyed us. Give us your feedback if you are liking the idea of having guests on, who you think would be uh, appropriate to have on. If you are someone that you'd like to talk with, uh, that we'd be uh, wanting to talk with, let us know. Yeah, we like to talk. We're talkers. And. It's a long road for us to get to a, uh, a Listener's Choice Award for this podcast, so <laughs> share it with your friends, share it with your grandma, you know, get us those extra views by opening it up on their computer and listening to it there, you know, just help us out. I mean, we, we'd love to hear that teams are listening to it and that we have some voice in this. Most definitely. So we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, on Twitter, you can get us on Apple, you can get us if you're on Google Play, we're everywhere, we're like the plague. Well, hopefully not like the plague. Uh, it's, that's been eradicated. That's we're that's, good now. That's long gone. Okay, okay. But that I, means we're gone. Oh boy, yeah. I need to go read a book. Um, that's all we got. We'll see you next week. We're at the fifty-five. <laughs>